Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Michelin Le Mans Cup on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Seconds ago, there was a EuroCup Formula Renault race out on track, so it'll take a little while to get the circuit reconfigured because the back straight, the Mistral straight, will have to be changed from a chicane for the single-seaters to a straight again. And uh, we're using the full extent of that straight, so a very, therefore a very high-speed entry into scene corner. Not quite flat. Most drivers are choosing a little bit of a lift instead, heading into turn 11. So the grid's going to take shape very shortly, but there are a number of stories and have been, in fact, for the past week or so. Notably the weather, which thankfully has got a lot, lot better. But Wednesday saw the Michelin Le Mans Cup cars out on track for their prologue, their pre-season test, and that was a very wet affair. So question marks really as to how valuable that was to the teams in terms of uh, setup and data but they have had some running uh, this weekend in drier conditions I'm pleased to say and it looks like taking the saunter Graham Goodwin from the media centre over to the broadcast centre it looks like it may well stay dry for the rest of uh, this afternoon and evening uh, yeah let's hope so because it has been absolutely dire for the last couple of days here uh, we're listening to a couple of the drivers you said about um, seeing corner we still do have a bit of a blustery breeze, and that's what's causing these guys a few problems coming down to the end of the Mistral Strait and through scene. What, what has been in dry weather and testing flat there for an LMP3 car is no longer. It's a bit of a lift uh, just because of the way the wind is kind of whipping around there. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, nothing wrong with the speed we saw in qualifying. Uh, we, we certainly didn't see anything like that, that level of uh, speed in that dreadfully wet prologue test for the Michelin Le Mans Cup runners. But it is a corking grid this year, John Lee Palmer, with uh, GTs, but uh, principally the LMP3 cars, 20-plus cars um, on this full-season grid, and one or two that are kind of hovering around that we may see later in the season. One we definitely will see later in the season. It's uh, certainly been a withdrawal from uh, this race meeting is the second of the, uh, the RLR cars that uh, we would otherwise have been seeing in the uh, in the. Uh, the Michelin Le Mans Cup. That's because Ross Warburton uh, suffered a shoulder injury, injury and has not has opted not to risk that. That would extend his recovery time if he aggravates that injury. So sadly, that means no Ross Warburton and Alex Capardia for this opening round. But hopefully, uh, Ross will be better, uh, will be recovered in time for the uh, round two at Monza in just a few weeks' time. Yeah, I chatted briefly with Ross about that uh, niggly injury, and he's. he's cautious not to aggravate it further because that would extend the recovery time so make sure you fit make sure that you know even if you do sit out one round that means you're guaranteed to do the rest of the season and that's the plan they've decided to take it nevertheless doesn't mean a quiet weekend for Alex Cavardia because he's busy with European Le Mans series racing instead so a dramatic qualifying session earlier on today hopefully you were with us for that separated out into two Separate sessions of 15 minutes. The GT3s, first of all, and then the LMP3s took their turn. And the LMP3s was a riot, uh, really, from start to finish. And all sorts happening, different names appearing at the top of the charts. But in the end, at the, at the death, Eric Truier doing a splendid job in the number 39 Graf car. That's one of the new Norma M30s showing 
really good pace down the start-finish straight and also the Mistral straight. Couldn't have left it much later. It was absolutely at the death, wasn't it? It was like one of, almost like a comedy sketch, wasn't it? It was punch being thrown, another punch being thrown back, back and forth, went first, second, third, fourth, fifth places, and uh, absolutely right at the end of the session. Well, we were hearing, weren't we, from, uh, from Charlie George that uh, she found herself at the wrong end of the pit lane <laughs> when that actually happened at the end to grab that, uh, that post-qualifying interview. And it's, uh, yes, one of those moments uh, had me on my feet in the booth. It was a wonderful thing to see. Pulled it out all of the advantage as well in the final sector. So it wasn't just the last lap. It was the last sector of the very, la- uh, yep. very last lap. But what we are seeing here, Johnny, a bit of a storyline is, is these Normas are incredibly quick here, particularly in Sector 2, which, of course, includes the Mistral straight. They have got a definite straight-line speed advantage over the Ligiers. Over the full lap, less so, but uh, certainly nothing the other cars can do about the speed of the Normas. Yeah, the Ligier is strong um, in the second part of that final sector, if you like, so through the much tighter corners 12 and 13 are thrown at you quite quickly that's the hairpin bend and then into 13 which is the left-hander swooping right and then the left and right to finish the lap heading through virage Dupont and across the line this is a little over five kilometers in length Le Castellet built in 1969 they were first racing here in April 1970 and the French Grand Prix has been here at various points in its history, returning in 2018 and all around the track. You can see this place taking shape now in readiness for that French Grand Prix visit. Got a quick uh, look there at the solo Ginetta in the field. This is entered by TKS. Japanese team, Shinya Sano, is the uh, lead driver of that uh, team, taking over the cars previously campaigned in the Asia Le Mans series by the RC Bratislava team from Slovakia. Uh, they bought all three of those cars. They've got one of them here, supported by Nova Race, the Italian uh, GT racing team. Uh, Luca Magnoni, who's uh, one of their customers' partners, Genio-san. Uh, great fun, the Japanese driver, the GT Cup champion in Asia Le Mans series a couple of seasons ago and uh, brought the Ginetta out to play both at Le Mans for the Le Mans uh, Cup. And there is the Ginetta from the rear. Very different look, of course, to the Ligiers and the Normas. Good to have that variety. Six Normas, the single Ginetta, the remainder of the 21-car LMP3 field made up of the Ligier JSP3 with an additional seven GT cars to add to the entertainment. And uh, there's a couple of them coming out right now. Yes, there are. So late um, levers from the pits, but they're still OK because the pit lane is going to be closed in a minute as long as you squeeze out in the next 60 seconds, everything will be fine. This will be the second year that LMP3s are part of the Michelin Le Mans Cup ranks. First year was a victory for DKR Engineering with their Norma M30. Five poles, four wins, and managed to clinch the title with a round to spare. It was Jean Gloria and Alex Torrell who were the winning drivers, and they have moved up to the European Le Mans Series for 2018. So, But there still is a DKR Engineering car, by the way, and that will start from fifth position. Yep, brief look at the EB Motors car. That was, of course, the GT winning crew, a uh, winning, te- uh, winning team from last season, but they've moved over from Lamborghini to Porsche. Another Porsche in the LMS, albeit a very different Porsche to this 911 GT3R. Very much a traditional rear-engined, state-of-the-art rear-engine, but a rear-engine nonetheless, Porsche, as the grid forms up. Yes, and you may remember uh, Fabio Babini and Emanuele Busnelli taking victory for EB Motors in last year's GT3, part of the race. Uh, Babini is going to be part of the 
um, EP Motors squad, but in the European Le Mans series, caught a brief glimpse there of the pilot, I think, for the 39 car. Now, was that Eric Trulier out of the car? That was both the Trulliers. That was, uh, that, I believe okay. that was Eric and Adrian. Fine. So they're still going to keep us guessing as to who will start the race, although it is Eric's name on the screen. I noticed Leonard Hugenboom is labelled as being inside the DKR engineering machine, which is just making its way to the grid. That's the orange and black car. But Hugenboom is the silvered graded driver. Yep. So it looks like uh, we're going for slightly quicker drivers for some of these teams, not all, though. Yeah, Hugenboom uh, was very, very quick in the very wet weather testing. Uh, Top the times in at least one of those sessions. So it'll be interesting to see how the Dutchman adapts to the dry weather in the LMP3 car. Pit lane is now closed, so if you haven't managed to get out, you'll have to start from the pit lane, but it looks like everyone is either circulating around the track or already sitting on the grid, and the race starts just under 10 minutes away. We are nearly at 20 degrees Celsius, I noticed, from the temperature gauge um, on the gantry above the start line. 19.1 degrees Celsius, which has been steadily climbing. About as good as it's been for the last 10 days here. Uh, but it gets better from here on in, we are told. Temperatures up to mid-20s tomorrow for the four hours of the American Le Mans. It's American Le Mans. European Le Mans series race. Peering into the cockpit there of the EB Motors Porsche and Paolo Venerossi, who didn't qualify the car, but he is going to start, it appears. Just a quick uh, glance there of the Total branding across the start-finish straight. This, the first event of the global arrangement with Total. It's a new fuel supplier across the, all of the ACO's race uh, disciplines. That means FIWC, it means the Asian Le Mans Series, where they've been a partner for some time, European Le Mans Series, and the Michelin Le Mans Cup. This is the spirit of race car, I believe. A very bright red car. It is indeed the 51 car. 51 and 71, Spirit of Race and AF Corsa operating out of the same morning. Qualified third in GT3 after a good job from Christoph Ulrich. And making its way up to the front row there. That was the CD Sports uh, Norma in the hands of Anthony Pons. Here's the second-placed GT3 car then after qualifying took place earlier on today. Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini did the time because he is a bronze. And there is gold. Uh, ranked driver Marco Ciocci just to the right of the car but it is uh, Perazzini ensconced in the Ferrari ready to take stint one yeah, Perazzini by profession a very skilled orthopaedic surgeon and uh, Ciocci by profession a very skilled hmm. Ferrari driver can slice his way through traffic as he well can indeed. there's the number 8 car that will be on pole position then with Sergio Pianazzola and uh, thank you to media officer of the championship Jeff Carter for reminding me that Sergio Pianazzola still very early on in his racing career he's done two golf 12 hours and this will be his third race ever wow yes so to qualify the car on pole position no mean feat and that was a that was a great qualifying session Giacomo Puccini um, his co-driver here the younger of the two Puccini brothers the uh, second Kessel car will be in the hands of his brother so John Ferrano in place in that number 14 car. Now watch for John's pace as he gets into race mode now and we're going to be treated again to one of the revelations of the European Le Mans Series LMP3 qualifying session. Jörg van Utert, uh, who was, well, 
Pretty darn quick, wasn't he, Johnny? He certainly was. In amongst the Normas, which on a circuit that very much suits the M30 chassis. Could potentially have gone even quicker had he not uh, run the car off the track and retained a time that was good enough to put him second. He will start, that car will start um, much further down, obviously fourth position was where he was going to be ranked, I think, but there was a penalty presumably that stopped him all the way down to 14th place. And Eric Truyer and Anthony Pont for CD Sport will start on the front row. There's a quick, quick peep into the 44 car of Alvaro Fontes, the Spaniard, sharing with Mexican driver Ricardo Sanchez and that car well, was uh, certainly up with the front runners in the early part of the session, then had uh, quite a big spin midway through and some contact with Eric Truyer no it less did. it did and that was uh, under investigation post race I think did I just hear you talking about a potential penalty for RLR yes you're mixing up the two P3 sessions ah that'll be what I'm doing <laughs> fine <laughs> Take John Ferrano it was of course yes. in the car for the qualifying session in this race but there was uh, something rather odd on the timing screens post session I think retains his fourth position after losing that lap Yes. In the LMS race for tomorrow. Four hours of racing. That we, by the way, that four hours of racing tomorrow will top out 66 and a half hours of track time for the combined grids of the WEC, LMS, and the Michelin and World Cup over the last 10 days. And that is not quite, but almost double the track time that we've seen. We would see in a regular Le Mans 24 hour race. Lana Racing with their very Toyota lo looky likey. Um, front end on there, Norma M30. Now, who is starting that car? It is going to be Michael Benham. So Duncan Tappy still to come in that car. And there are a number of names, very familiar names you'll see appearing on live timing, if you're following that, or on the graphics that the guys here are putting up. Duncan Tappy, Andy Merrick in the Motorsport 98 car. Already talked about Marco Giocci. DB Autosport car carries a Lotus badge on the side of uh, the engine bay, I notice. Interesting. It's definitely a Nissan. <laughs> Here's uh, Adrian Schiller waving to us, and he's on board the number 40 car that will start from sixth position alongside the orange and black DKR engineering norma of Leonard Hugenboom. We'll probably have a look at that car in detail in a moment, but that's another entry then from French squad Graf. Yep, great uh, end of the session from that car. And Adrian Schiller. Here is the number three, DKR Engineering. Very similar look to the car last year, Johnny. Yes, there was. Very and different look to the driver squad. Certainly, with the other two, the champions, moving up to the European Le Mans series. So Jens Pettersen did the qualifying. Leonard Hugenboom will start this race and hand over to Jens at roughly half distance. And he's definitely Jens standing next to the car. And this is the 79 car, due to be started by Alistair McCaig. Ikuria Koss Nielsen are the squad and they managed to get both of their cars on the second row. Started strongly in qualifying at lunchtime today and actually led the pack in the early stages <laughs> with Tony Wells. Yep, that is Alastair McCaig at the wheel of the Ligier. And it was Tony and Alistair doing qualifying duties. Tony will hand over to James Littlejohn, who is silver ranked, and the other driver, Colin Noble. There is Tony with the thumbs up. That's the number two car, third on the grid. And that just leaves the front two starters. So first of all, a look at CD Sport, 
a crew that are flagged as Spanish and Ant- Anthony Pons did the qualifying. Laurence Hur, the German driver, will take that car over at uh, somewhere between 55 and 65 minutes. And Hur was very quick in practice and in testing as well. So another new name to the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Five-minute board now being shown. Not very far away at all from a brand-new season of the Michelin Le Mans Cup then with a total of seven races to come throughout the course of the year. Remember, the extra race uh, appears at Le Mans where we have, in fact, two 55-minute affairs, one on Thursday of race week and one on Saturday morning before the great 24 hours this year. And pole position late in the day being snatched then by Graf Racing. Eric and Adrian Trullier, the father and son duo, but it was father doing the qualifying as he is the bronze driver Let's just check whether that is Eric getting the helmet and uh, the gloves, the hands device on as well. Name obscure, yes, I think it is. Eric Truyet, yeah, clambering on board then for his opening stint of about 55 minutes. And let's see how Eric, who's had a lot of experience behind the wheel of an LMP3, just not so much, a Norma M30. Most of the work has been done uh, behind the wheel of a Ligier. So quite some responsibility on his shoulders heading into turn one at the end of one rolling lap and up alongside him will be Anthony Pont who carries an awful lot of speed and experience too for CD Sport CD Sport uh, well long time GT racers that's her by the way uh, I believe may well be a, a reigning V V champion in the Monoplace mm. series so again uh, V2V with is a prototype based category. Not in this case. This is a Formula Renault support race for them, and uh, three wins and eight podiums, four pole positions last year oh for right. young German. Okay. But, uh, support, they have a whole range of support events. You would not believe the number of cars in a V2V paddock. That said, we've had more than a hundred sports uh, sports prototypes and GTs circulating here in the variety of testing, qualifying practice and now about to be the first race of the European season for ACO Wheels Racing. That privilege goes to the Le Mans Cup this season. Two hours here, four hours tomorrow for the European Le Mans Series, Johnny. Remember also that the grid isn't split uh, between LMP3s and GT3s, as in it's not a, a batch of GT3s right at the back of the field. There is some overlap because Sergio Pianazzolo was actually quicker than five LMP3 cars so we'll start from 17th position and actually on the, on his row is the TKS Ginetta Juno so there is a little bit of overlap this shot will give us an indication of that depending on how far it goes back but great to have a, an overhead shot of the grid on a beautiful afternoon here in Le Castellet in the south of France ahead of the opening round of the Michelin Le Mans Cup grid now fully cleared a few marshals working their way to safety in the pit wall and that's a great shot isn't it there is the end of the lap as well as it winds its way from scene corner around the hairpin at 9 and 10 and then through 11 12 and 13 and 14 it's uh, quite a technical end to the lap and important to go quickly through there to achieve a good lap time so just a minute past 4 p.m locally it's three minutes the start of the formation lap and 20 
eight cars to start. It's a one minute board is up there you go, about to go out. Now we can get this season underway, Johnny Palmer. Certainly can. It seems like a long winter, hasn't it? It's yeah, it's been it's a long Europe. it's been a long week for you as well to wait for racing to actually happen, but we are around the corner now from that moment. And that's the bit I like when the engines are turned on, the revs start to rise, the pace car is in position ahead of the opening race of the year for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Great and Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com and Johnny Palmer to take you through it. And I sense we might get uh, some new winners in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. DKR Engineering with it all to do with a new driver lineup from fifth position. It was a late win last year for Motorsport 98. In fact, they weren't even able to stand on the top step of the podium because of an infringement from the number three car in Portugal. They had the win stripped from them and to inherit it, Eric de Donca and Andy Merrick for Motorsport 98, who are back for a second season in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Great to have them on board. Yep, and uh, it is that second season thing that seems to be a key in LMP3, as it is with very many ladders on the, uh, well, the endurance racing snakes and ladders game. Motorball 98, I expect to show improved pace. Andy Merrick and Eric Donker, both very experienced drivers. To understand your car and the way to set up that car on a fantastic range of circuits that these guys are going to get to race on this season is another key to just pushing that bit further. So, leading car, heads the field. Snakes back down to one, two, three, four, five here. The gap, by the way, at lunchtime for qualifying was three-tenths of a second between Eric Truyer and Anthony Pont. They're in the seats now ready to take the first stint so will it be a case of Eric pulling away from Anthony Pons or will he be able to offer a little bit more now we're into race and set up the cars will have been adjusted for a two hour race remember rather than to be quick over a single lap 0.4 of a second then back to Tony Wells time a 154.4 and just a tenth of a second slower was Alistair McCaig sharing with Colin Noble in the GT3 ranks it was a 157.1 from Sergio Pianazzola to take pole position, sharing with Giacomo Piccini, Pier Giuseppe Perizzini at 157.7, so six-tenths of a second gap there. And at the bottom of the screen, we're just working our way through the grid now. And this is where the overlap is, where we've got uh, GT3 cars alongside, in some cases, LMP3s, and it'll take a bit of time to, to sort those cars out as we get things underway. There's a great shot of the chicane that's been in action for the Euro Cup uh, Formula Renault. But we're going to be going straight as a die down the Mistral Strait and towards the turning point at Scene Corner. There's a new pedestrian bridge, by the way, that's been installed as well that crosses the track between the back of the paddock and the outside of the Mistral Strait, effectively. All part of the preparations for the return of the French Grand Prix. Formula One coming back to Paul Ricard. For the first time in a good long time, it will be the week after the Le Mans 24 Hours, a real festival of motorsport in the fair country of France. Over those two weeks, I'm sure there are plenty of people that are making sure they do both of those races. And a reasonably long drive in between. Well, for only a long so for one. Yeah, very good point. Uh, in a moment or two, then 
the grid will start to take shape and cars will be alongside one another two abreast Eric Truier starting to well as soon as the pace car pulls in he will dictate the pace you've got to be careful here at Ricard though not to go too early it is a long wait down to the start line which is in a different place from the finish line it's a matter of meters but they all count and we have had some dramatic starts here in the past yep we most certainly have <laughs> and I seem to remember actually last year uh, in the ELMS cars looked like they wanted to get going well before the red lights were extinguished right. and, and were held yeah they were and cars started to display out to four abreast you need to be careful not to do that too early but equally you have to get yourself into a position where you can actually see the red lights because uh, for those much further down the pack it'll just be a wall of gearboxes and the rear end of LMP3 cars so the pace car peels off to the right and two hours appeals on our clock there are the ten red lights illuminated and they will stay red until the front row gets close enough is it going to be judged as a tidy enough start again we've got overlapping the red lights are out now though so the racing begins and there's a heck of a lot of pressure on Eric Truier's shoulders down towards the first corner in fact I think there's going to be a lead change as one of the Nielsen Curia cost cars tries to sneak up the inside didn't make it didn't that might make have it. Tony Wells though trying to make his presence felt early on so the racing already for a brand new season has started at turn one. This time, Tony Wells up the inside. Oh, careful not to touch. take much contact. There was, a, there was touch. a touch and spinning goes Eric Truier. Is it Tony Wells then in that now leading car up to second position? A great start from Leonard Hugenboom in the number three DKR engineering car. It is Wells that leads the way from Hugenboom in second. Adrian Schiller for Graf is running third. Alistair McCabe for, uh, fourth, but the big drama is a spin for Eric Truier, and there are more off at turns three and four. That was a uh, trouble for one of the United Autosports car. I think that was the 32 car. Trouble two, uh, dropping back a little for the CD Sport car, the number 30. Anthony Pons drops back from his second position on the grid to sit fifth at the moment. That's been good news for Alistair McCabe, who lost out for turn one and two. It is Tony Wells from the DKR engineering car of Leonard Hugenboom, Adrian Chiller. And then Aston McCaig and Anthony Ponzi are top five. Well, fireworks to kick things off, and we've given it the big build-up. I'm pleased it doesn't disappoint, but sadly for Eric Truyer, after a really good job qualifying, and uh, an incident actually further back is going to be under investigation, which involves the United Autosports car number 32 and the Motorsport 98 car that was started by Eric de Donker. So that was much further back, and those two cars now run 26th and 27th. But the race leader is Tony Wells for Ikuria Kos Nielsen. And by 0.2 of a second, he leads Leonard Hugenboom. Now, remember, Hugenboom is silver in terms of the FIA ranking, so should be theoretically quicker than a lot of the bronze drivers around him. Don't be surprised to see the number three car, therefore, take the lead. Tony Wells might be best, actually, to allow him through knowing that there is a chance for that car to catch up all this time later on in the race. A big wiggle big, of the tail there. Big twitch there from Hergenboom. Meanwhile, turn one, he's got all the cars in the world coming through just now. Hergenboom, I think, will manage to pull away once he gets onto the Mistral straight. If he's gathered that back up, then the enormous advantage in straight line speed should seal the deal. SPV car just going up the inside there. Of, that's... Uh, that's that is the RLR car, yes. John Ferrano. That's um, the Ferrano car.
car number 14 that started in 14th position. Let's take a look here at just what kind of straight line advantage this Norma has. We keep being told by the teams it's four to five miles per hour in a straight line. Meanwhile, in GT3, Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini leads the way for now AF Corsa. So Perazzini taking the lead quite early on in car 71. Kessel racing from pole position run third. And Sergio Pianazzola doing a good job on this, the second lap, car number eight. And then third in GT3 is the 69 Stila F Squadra Corsa Ferrari, but a Ferrari 458. Martin Grab uh, doing the opening stint. Remember, we saw him in the first part of qualifying and then he handed over to his teammate, was grabbed to Yoshiki Omura in the end. Yeah, Hilgerboom, by the way, is checking out here. He is pulling away uh, purple sectors in one and two. He's already 1.6 seconds ahead of Tony Wells. So the strategy there, if you get two of the normals side by side, that's the number 21 car from DB. Nicolas Schatz going by the 30 car from the CD Sports team. Yeah, and again, not a huge surprise because Nicolas Schatz is the silver in the combination. Plenty of hill climb experience and has done a full year of the Michelin Le Mans Cup, so he's making strides up the order. The 21 car started from 12th position but was qualified by Nicolas' teammate. 154.495, the last lap around for Leonard Hugenboom, and that is nearly two and a half seconds a gap now. Yeah. 54.4, 57.2 for Tony Wells. So got something like three seconds as an advantage per lap, that is, for Leonard Hugenboom. Just looking further down the order, and that is much, much faster than everybody else is managing at the moment. 56s. Uh, there are a couple of those in the order just now, but no one anywhere close to 54. So Hugenboom is looking to build up that lead. We've seen it before in Michelin Le Mans Cup. Uh, if you're in a position where you think you may be able to get Catherine advantage from opening up that gap. Uh, so he will be hoping that we don't get this race brought under any kind of neutralisation at all so we can get through to the second car of the climbing aboard. If nose to tail action there, and that is the 21 car having gone by the 30, dragged by 65, I think, isn't it? The second of the Graf cars. Is that the 40? It's the 40 oh, car. 40, yeah. So he's already up in the third position and we'll be closing in on Tony Wells. Off the track, though, was that Tony making a mistake? Yes, it was. Tony Wells running off the road on his oh. own as well. Big lose. Was that seen? I think that's seen corner at the end of the Mistral straight. And Tony Wells, therefore, at the end of sector three, will have lost certainly two places, maybe more. We'll check on his progress in a moment or two, but an indication perhaps how hard Tony Wells was pushing in the Ligier to try and catch that rapid Norma M30, and also being aware that Nicolas Schatz was coming through the order as well in well, the Norma. And we said you couldn't quite go flat there. Well, you can't, uh, by the look of things. Don't think that was, was that? It was Tony Wells, wasn't it? Yeah, dropping way down the order, and he emerges in sixth position now behind teammate Alistair McCaig fifth position in the 79 car so it's DKR from DB from Graf from the CD Sports car three normas in the top four nearly contact down at turn number one for the 25 car of sorry the 14 car rather the RLR M Sport machine and now they're side by side it's another Graf car the 39 that uh, that is battling with it's the, uh, that is the recovering yes Started from pole, now trying to pick off some of those places that Eric lost after there was contact on the opening lap. Still 
plenty of time in this race for Eric to get a decent result and he'll be handing over to quick son Adrian Trillier at roughly half distance so Eric now ahead of John Ferrano the Canadian fastest lap again on that uh, last time around from Leonard Hugenboom into the 53s this time there's a 6.1 second lead now on oh, Nicole Schatz and it is two Normas out front the best Ligier being the 40 graph entry of Adrian Schiller then Anthony Pont who started from the front row in the 30 CD Sport car there's more action at scene Bend and that's the end race car number 99 I reckon, yep. and where had that Tenth. gone to? Alain Costa with a big moment there, thankfully keeping out of the fence, but it is yellow flags at scene corner. Much has been made about that corner and how much grip it offers now it's been resurfaced, as the whole track has. And, oh, that well, was after the corner. It was the same sort of accident. I think that's exactly what uh, we are talking about earlier, trying to see whether or not they can just take it flat. They can't here. It's the wind that's really not not playing uh, playing ball with them. This is the battle, and it is a battle for fifth position. It's one, two, three, four, five cars in a row, all the way down to tenth, uh, ninth rather, which is the London Racing Car in the hands of Mike Benham. And those five cars separated by what three and a half seconds. Well, Alistair McKay certainly let Less teammate Tony Wells through there at Virage Depart. I think realising that recovering Tony Wells. What well, is quite a bit quicker, so he gave him racing room. Look, looking over his right shoulder, looking over his right shoulder. There you go, Tony. I'll look after anyone that wants to try and get past me now. So Alistair McCaig, a little bit of a rear gunner to Tony Wells, who's trying to recover after that spin. But a big old moment, and when you're going backwards at scene, you're kind of waiting for the impact. Thankfully, the fence is quite a way off the track, and he was able to uh, recover and lose about eight seconds, I think. It could have been far, far worse than that for Tony Wells, who's back up to fifth now. Further fastest lap of the race, 152.932 now for Hergen Boom, but Nick Schatz is actually responding, 6.3 seconds to the gap, and there's almost the same gap back uh, now to third position, so 12.7 seconds separate the top three, the, 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 those leading pair, Johnny, are pulling away. Nearly 10 minutes of the race done, a little bit more slipstreaming taking place there for the Lannan racing car of Michael Benham, so trying to get by think the Jean-Ludovic Fubert driven DB Autosport car and in the pit lane, was that the cool racing? Yes, it was indeed, it's 24 she... car Alexander oh Yes. trouble for the 71 car same place again, lead of the class so does that mean we've had a lead change in GT3? We have Sergio Pianazzola, well there's certainly a black Ferrari up ahead so that means Martin Grabs got by in the 458 and here's the number 8 car, now then the new leader in GT3 so Pianazzola in only his third race ever ahead of now Martin Grab, the Swiss, in the San Marino team 458, Steeler F Squadra Corsa, and then Piero Giuseppe Pierazzini, who has lost two places in the red number 71 Ferrari. Now, whilst those gaps are opening up, of course, remember the two guys at the front here are two of the uh, higher ranked drivers in their squads. So the idea really is, is to break the toe of that pack behind, build up a lead for their less experienced teammates to defend. Certainly the lap times of the top two, the 53s and the 52s at the moment, play 55, 56, 57s for the group behind. But they've got their own battles to deal with as well. 
6.2 seconds a gap then between Leonard Hugenboom and Nicolas Schatz, the two silver-ranked drivers. Anthony Pons doing a good job for CD Sport in third. Fourth place, Adrian Schiller, and then the two Ikuria Cost Nielsen cars. And Tony Wells isn't very far away now from Schiller to try and get back into fourth place. Good little battle developing now between Martin Grab and Perizzini as well. And if Perasini plays this nicely, he can start to get a bit of a toe from that older Ferrari. He's not quite close enough just yet. Who will that be tucked in behind? Jim McGuire for United Autosports. In fact, both the United Autosports cars are together. Richard Mines also part of that little duo, separated by two-tenths of a second. Interesting little battle ahead of them as well, because the GT leader has just gone by in the twisty bits in Sector 1. has gone by Shinji Sano in the TKS Ginetta. Uh, Sano tucked back in behind the Ferrari was taking a look through Steen Corner to see whether or not there was an opportunity for the LMP3 car to find a way by that's the battle for 13th position Michael Benham being told he must respect the track limits on the exit of turn 8 Steen Corner we've had quite a number of cars disrespecting those track limits but actually being pitched into spins rather than gaining time I think a little bit of a look at a potential overtake there was the which car is that? I'm still getting used to the new liveries. The black and red car. That's the DB car. All ah, right. So in eighth position, with Lannan just behind them, Michael Benham. And Eric Trillier has caught this group after that early uh, race spin. So Eric Trillier on the tail now of Michael Benham. So we've got Lucci's in the middle of this group. A line of three Normas now at the rear of it. We know Trillier's got the speed. Don't know if any damage he's done with the tyres but it's not a gentle rotation half rotation really wasn't it and way off in the distance now Anthony Pons so the battle of the race is really for fourth position with quite a tail of LMP3s now all jostling for places nice to see Ligier's keeping up with the pace of the Normas down the straights in places and the Lannan car of Michael Benham now has for company Eric Truier tucked in right behind you can barely see him in fact as they approach scene corner and they fan out into that right hander at turn eight big wiggle for Benham as he came through again they're in the tro troll trying to take liberties there yeah, and, and he's lost the place losing momentum and now losing his spot to Eric Truier no he's not he's defended it he, I thought he had lost enough momentum Truier to find the inside line he's still inside they both up they touch over the kerb goes Benham in recovery and that will surely have done damage to Eric Truier's car we wondered about the damage caused by the spin well they were taking chunks out of each other that was John Ferrano just uh, gaining the advantage as well this again so this is turn 11 there's a closing gap and Benham decided to take the line for the corner we didn't have the ideal line to see that did we no I think that's fair to say uh, but uh, race control and Eduardo Freitas the race director will have many other views to watch that back again and unsurprisingly that incident at turn 11 is under investigation so any news that we get on that you'll be the first to know Eduardo Freitas must have the best motorsport Christmas tape ever. You would think so, yes. And also, I don't know if it's the same incident with this, uh, another message being flashed up on our screen. So, so much for Eric Truier's recovery drive. He's doing quite a good job there and set to overtake quite a few more cars. Well, he's keeping the pedal down, see how far up the order he can get. 
with all those shenanigans behind. The lead pair still separated by 6.2 seconds, are pulling away from Anthony Pons. It's 6.2 seconds, first to second, then 21 seconds back from the leader. It's the third place, number 30 car. Yeah, Giuseppe Berrettini off the road again in the 71 Ferrari, so he was trying to get those places back again. What happened here? Outbraked himself, maybe? Turning... Oh, no. Very was, odd. Yes. Sort of made the corner and then decided to turn left. Kind of after the right-hander at turn three. Be surprised. That one. Wouldn't be surprised to see his Ferrari. Was it a pit lane at the end? I don't think it's handling quite as well as he'd expected. So the eight-car leads GT3. Then the 69 Ferrari, the back car. Christoph Ulrich now into the podium positions then in that red and black Ferrari. And... So where's the Porsche there for? Porsche oh, dropped down its 24th position in his 6th position in class and under pressure now from the rear from John Hartshorn. What we're looking at, in fact, that's why I was getting confused, is the battle for 6th and 7th in GT3. So Christoph Ulrich quite a bit further up the road in the other Spirit of Race Ferrari. That was a Kessel Racing Ferrari chasing down the EB Motors Porsche. Meanwhile, there's the 79 of Alistair McCaig with, on his tail, Jean-Ludovic Foubert yep. for, DB, for DB Autosport. And a little bit of a gap back to Sergio Passion for Graf in car 65. Eric Truier didn't lose that many places as the GT3 leaders off the road this time. That is the number eight, I believe. No, it's not. It's a car that's it's very similarly liveried. It's the sister car, 77. Claudio Schiavone. So, take another deep breath, Johnny. Not quite again. as much of a disaster for GT3 as we thought. Big twitch on the braking, wasn't it? And off then the racing line on the marbles, where the Michelin tyres have started to... Um, obviously, as that, that uh, rubber wears off the tyre, it works its way to the outside of the track. You get a very clean racing line, but if you're off that into Turn 9, there is no grip whatsoever. Now, whilst there's been a lot of track action here, they have to get the, the track pretty clean, and the battering it's taken for the rain has been more like a jet wash at times Car 71 as I suggested it might has now come into the pit lane Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini's Ferrari is not a happy car it would seem having turned in at uh, turn 3 in the usual place and then needing to turn left and straight off the road all a bit mysterious here he is and we're also hearing the team manager for car 98 will have to head to race control to visit Eduardo Freitas or one of his staff members Motorsport 98 that was the early issue there's the seventh place battle in gt3 then and it is still the porsche of eb motors so therefore paolo Rossi being pursued by john hartzorn and they find themselves all of a sudden not battling over sixth and seventh but up to fourth and fifth now because of dramas around them the pitting 71 Ferrari drops it to the rear of the GT3 field and the Kessel Racing Ferrari, its spin for Claudio Schiavone, means that that's now sixth place and these two have gained a couple of spots. Nearly 20 minutes done of the first round of the year. Yep, the, uh, of the early pit stoppers, the end race car has rejoined. The instant, by the way, for the number 98, I'm pretty certain is with with uh, Naj Hussain in the, uh, in the number 32 United car in the very early running. So that one has been under investigation. We've seen this trouble for the 71 car here. CD. Sure whether that is... Brakes. Well, brakes, yes. Those little pots often are the uh, brake fluid. 
and also pressures. Is it a brake bias issue? Is it a steering rack well, issue? I would hope the other thing is just as soon as you said it, when you look, look where they're looking in the car, because it might explain that very well, odd runoff. He, he, he turned into the corner and then just was not happy at all and had to turn straight out of it again. So whether it's a vibration that he's not happy with or something that you know he operated in the cockpit and the car just did not do what he was expecting, clearly Pierre Giuseppe not happy to carry on on the grounds of safety probably more than anything else and the team are looking over it if you do want uh, a team looking over your Ferrari AF Corsa would no doubt be the choice of many up and down the pit lane they know these things inside and out we'll try and solve it whilst the race continues but and it's worth getting back out again because you could still earn decent points in GT3 with there being seven runners just make sure you have to do the prescribed race distance which is somewhere in the region of 70 or 75 percent replay of the start from one of our drone cameras and the spv car was off well off the track on the blue there whether the 44 car might be pinged for that the red lights though finally did get extinguished as i say it's a long long wait out of that uh, final corner you need to keep the grid neat and tidy tony wells wasted no time at all starting to race but there was contact then between the number two and the 39 pole sitting graf car and a great sight these cars made down the mistral straight for the first time two and three abreast as tony wells dictated the pace but he was being pursued by leonard hugenboom who now leads after 10 laps completed a big off though for tony in the Decuria Cos Nielsen car at scene corner. Thankfully got it pointing in the right direction quite quickly. Cost him about eight seconds. And unbeknownst to Leonard Hugenboom, that all kicked off behind him, but Hugenboom's keeping the Norma M30 on the straight and narrow, and already this season taking a familiar look to last year. But there will be many more, I'm sure, that can take the fight to DKR Engineering this year. At the moment, it looks like it'll be a Norma, though. Nicolas Schatz driving a Norma M30 for DB Autosport. Seven seconds is the gap, though. He's lost more time to Leonard Hugenboom. These are two silver-ranked drivers up against each other. Meanwhile, nose-to-tail through the final few corners of this lap. This is recovering Tony Wells, tucked in behind Adrian Schiller. It's car 40 leading this train in fourth position from the two Nielsen cars, 2 and 79. Then Jean-Ludovic Foubert as up the inside there goes Alistair McCaig. Very late manoeuvre there on Foubert into Virage Dupont. I think he just about made that stick, but came from a long way back as Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini is back in the race grade. Absolutely rejoined. Whatever that problem is, they're happy enough for him to get back on track. He's lost a couple of laps to that issue. So nailed pretty firmly to the rear of the GT pack. Number eight, though, 13th position overall. Third race of his career, if this is that correct? Wow. Yeah. And uh, a couple of Golf 12 hours that uh, traditionally run in December at the Yas Marina circuit in Abu Dhabi. Slicing his way up the inside there, Leonard Hugenboom. The gap was there. He got to go for it because all this time gained at the moment may potentially be lost when you hand over to your non-pro driver and everybody else is handing to their quicker members of the, du their, the various duos. So it might look like Hugenboom is bossing this race at the moment. We get to half distance, though, and the whole thing takes a very different complexion. Yep, we're 23 minutes into the race. And this is the, the group. 
from fourth down to what is that tenth? But a reminder of what happened on the opening lap with Eric Trouillet very quickly facing the wrong way. That incident under investigation, a spin for Tony Wells as well from second place. And a big moment for Alain Costa in the end race machine. There was contact between Eric Truillet and Michael Benham. Graf versus Annan Racing. That's also being looked at again. And there's now contact between the 79 and the 20. So it wasn't a clean manoeuvre at turn 14. In fact, for McKay, I suggested he came from quite a ways back there to overtake Jean-Ludovic Foubert. And it looks like they've uh, had door-handle-to-door -door handle contact, as you might say in a touring car race, into turn 14, so that's going to be looked at again by Eduardo Freitas. Uh, he's had a busy race so far. It most certainly has. It does look like Hergenboom is really caning that car, hammering the curves. This is the second-place car going side-to-side -side with the Brooksby car. This is the number four car, John Sharman. Race for the team in GT4. Another man who's actually done the Gulf 12 hours. With other racing with the Southampton Eastleigh based team, long time stalwarts of endurance racing back in the day with the GTS class Vipers, British GT champions, and more recently their GT4 Caymans now into LMP3. It's an interesting point you make there about Hugenboom and uh, his full attack mode for the opening stint. Can the car deal with that sort of punishment across a for a long period. Oh, There's a spin there for the Steeler F Squadra Corsa car. This is the second-placed GT3 machine of Martin Grab. And did he end up there on his own, or was he helped into a spin at turn 13? Covered briefly by yellow flags, and what's the next car around going to well, be? It's the race leader, I think, well, not very far away. Yeah, he's lost a place to the 51 car, for starters, in class. But, uh, quite what else is the pack of snarling LMP3s come through. And Schiller losing places hand over fist here because Tony Wells has grabbed fourth position then. Schiller's actually lost three places, I make it, to Tony Wells, Alistair McKay and Fubert. I think he was just off the racing line, actually, and just couldn't cut back in because they're all racing at such close quarters. It's almost a, a typical... American stock car type move in that you know you get you off the racing line and nobody's going to let you back in again indeed 25 gets the black and white flag for that contact that is the London racing car that was Mike Benham the uh, touch that saw both the normas semi-rotate and there's going to be a... this it's like the it's the graph collection <laughs> it certainly is yes all three of them have found one another and Eric Truier on the up. Arguably Adrian Schiller on the tumble down. But a good example as well of the two different chassis here side by side in similar paint jobs. The first of them is a Ligier. The second is a Norma M30. There's another Ligier tucked in behind. Also trying to gain spots is Alvaro Fontes in the all-yellow Ligier from so. SPV. And he's gained one place on that Graf Ligier then into turn five. A needle nosed Norma and kind of flatter nosed Ligier with the air intakes on the top of that nose. And up ahead, Tony Wells and Alistair McCaig. Well, Wells in a little bit of clear air now, and he might be able to bring Alistair McCaig with him. McCaig doing his best sector one time as pitting. This is Jean Ludovic Foubert for DB Motorsport in the no, 20 no, car. No, wasn't. I think that was that was a Motorsport 98 car. That's Eric Dodonka. Ah, doing the drive-through. OK. Yep. Thank you for that. 
So Eric de Donker through and back out again. Yeah, 25 seconds is a drive through, isn't it? Yeah, he drops off the lead lap in doing so because as he emerged from pit lane, heading down towards turn one, was the race leader. Well, that was an incident that happened early on in the race that we didn't see, but the 98 um, judged to be at fault for it regardless, and that's his punishment. It takes 25 seconds to drive from start to the end of the pit lane. That's worth noting for later races in the weekend. Yep, remember, you don't lose 25 seconds because you'll lose 25 seconds less if you like the speed you're carrying down pit lane. Yeah, still moving. It's not uh, stop and hold, as it were. As Leonard Hugenboom finds even more speed at the head of the order, it's an absolute best through sector one, so clearly he's found an area of the track now that he's not affected by GT3 cars. He's pulled down a couple of seconds in traffic over the Schatz. It's 8.8 uh, .8 seconds at the moment, the, the lead. It had been down to about 6.1. 71 car, by the way, has been back into the pits. There's Giuseppe Perazzini. So not, all is not well with that 71 Ferrari. Clearly, they're trying to chase an issue that uh, they can't rectify right now, but Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini not happy with the behaviour of the car. Are the two Kyriakos cars able to match the speed of Anthony Pons? Well, on that lap, it would suggest they are. Quicker than the Frenchman. Six seconds, the gap. Out comes Perazzini. And uh, coming by this time, that is the aero paint decorated United Autosports car of Jim McGuire, the 22 ahead of the TKS, Janetta, and then Nigel Sane in that delayed 32 United car. So three United cars covering 14th through 17th at the moment in the hands of their gentle drivers. Some quick guys to come and a very nice story to come for United Auto Sports. We'll wait until the pit, uh, pit stops to tell that one. OK. But a significant milestone for one of the pro drivers about to climb aboard in the next half an hour. Off Meanwhile, goes Shinyo Sano. Oh dear. Shinyo Sano driving the only Ginetta P315 in the field, powered by exactly the same 5-litre Nissan engine as all the other cars, by the way. And the Japanese-flagged TKST. Shinyo Sano is Japanese and shares with bronze driver Luca Magnoni, who takes the second stint of this race. So TKS were 16th. They're slipping a couple of places as a result of that moment. 10.7 seconds now, though, is the lead margin for this car. Leonard Hugenboom out front from Nicolas Schatz. Still no change in the order for uh, now third and fourth in the GT3s. So an example of what can come your way, or fourth and fifth, rather, what can come your way if you just keep out of trouble, I suppose. They've gained a couple of places of these two cars, Paolo Venerossi and John Hartshorn. And Nicuria Koss reaching turn five now so two leading 79 and trying to hunt down Anthony Pons but last time around the gap was opened up very slightly. Yeah those three are pulling away from the uh, rest of that chasing pack. The Turi Courier cost Nielsen, Liches and the number 20 DB Autosports Norma is tucked in behind the pair are certainly gapping the chasing pack headed now by Eric Trulliet, he's made his way up through that pack and is uh, now about to lap the GT leader, I think. Fubert not very far away for DB Autosport, keeping up with the speed of the two Ikuria Cost cars then. 
It's still a three-way fight for fourth, fifth and sixth. Then the two Graf cars of Truyet and Adrian Schiller and Alvaro Fontes in the SPV racing car. We mentioned that machine gaining a place on Sergio Passion a couple of laps ago. John Ferrano's running 11th now. Michael Benham trying to recover after that collision with Eric Truyet. The Lannan car up to 12th. And then we find the, the GT3 leader, Sergio Pianazzola, not very far away from breaking into the top 10 of the overall positions. Remember, about 28, 29 minutes away from starting to see some really exciting names added to the cocktail of this race. Again, the 71 car, shortcuts, there's something not right there. And, you know, the, the, your, your uh, theory about the steering, maybe the steering and the brakes, whatever it Might is, be. he's not very happy with that car. And you want to be confident the car's going to turn in and do what you want at uh, places like Turn 8 at the end help. of the Mistral. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky enough corner as it is. Leader now passes Shinya Sano, so the leader has passed everybody up to, but not yet including, 16th position. Big twitch again, though, and off the, the road as a result. He's on the ragged edge here, Leonard Hugenboom. It's a good drive with that in mind. But also, you're on the cusp all the time as far as track limits are concerned, and they will be eagerly watched by Eduardo Freitas, the race director, and the rest of his team in race control. Doesn't take much to just push it a bit too far and, and, and on too many occasions and get a warning. Well, he's pulled out in this stint so far in 33 minutes, something like 49 seconds over the leading bronze driver. Very different lines here being taken by the Porsche and the Ferrari that are battling for fourth and fifth in GT3. John Hartzorn thinking about a move up the inside, but he also needed to be aware that Anthony Pons was steaming through in the number 30 car. He was at almost flat chat there trying to squeeze up the inside of this battling duo. Now it is safe for Pons to get by on the left-hand side of John Hartzorn, also nipping by the Porsche before turn 14 and can allow those two GTs to continue their battle. Yeah, John Hartshorn, long-time endurance racer, usually in GT machinery in relatively recent years, has done some racing in the old Formula Mon cars, but uh, two appearances at Le Mans. One, the last appearance for TVR back in the day, and that's uh, newsy in the last week or two, with the news that uh, new, new Look TVR is partnering with Rebellion Racing then latterly with the, the Lotus Evora, the factory team, with a pro and a pro-am car uh, fielded, and John was part of the set uh, the setup there for that Le Mans appearance. Place change there for 15th overall, as Naj Hussain gets ahead of teammate Jim Maguire. Looked like the two United Autosports drivers were able to fight one amongst themselves there and That's the team happy for that to, to happen as right behind them is the leader mm. so the leader about to deal with the 16th and 15th place cars to put them a lap down and this is all part of the plan do what you can to effectively take some of these guys out of the game before you hand over to your gentleman driver yeah if you can put them a lap off the, uh, off the pace then that will impact massively later on in the race 9.7 seconds to gap so Hugenboom loses a bit of time trying to get by those two United Autosport P3s Schatz gained uh, well only three tenths of a second on that lap Anthony Pons in third position and now well adrift of the leading two but being caught at the same time 
by Tony Wells and Alistair McCaig, who are embroiled in their own bit of traffic here. They're trying to get by the battle in GT3 for fourth and fifth. Which again is the EP Motors car ahead of John Hartshorn's Kessel Racing Ferrari. It's been a battle that's been going on from well, the opening minutes of this race. Car's getting by. Tony Wells, Alison McCaig and Sean Ludovic Foubert. Matrillier in amongst them now. Not in amongst them, but catching them. What was this? This is the two United cars, and this was positional change with Hussein going around the outside. That is a pretty gutsy move. Getting the toe on Jim Maguire. Jim just edging that towards the left-hand side of the circuit. Fully aware, I'm sure, that it was the sister car trying to get through. And in the end, Jim McGuire had to uh, accept defeat. Trivia struggling a little bit more than the other three did to get by that uh, battling pair of GTs. He's now clear. Meanwhile, the leader has dealt with the task of lapping the two United cars. His next target to put a lap down is the GT leader. Into 14 comes Leonard Hugenboom again, enjoying this nine and a bit second lead then. Two United Autosport cars in his wake. DKR Engineering from Luxembourg on course to continue their success in the Michelin Le Mans Cup after such a great year in 2017. Mistral goes the battle for fourth and fifth in GT3s. There's a Graf racing car tucked in behind as well. That might be Passia. No, it's the middle Graf car, so it's the Adrian Schiller machine next to get by, I reckon. And then in the background is Sergio Passian in that red, white, blue car. There is car 44, driven still by Alvaro Fontes. And John Ferrano will be next through shot. There he is in the white number 14 RLR M Sport car. Yep, and I'm beginning to get to the stage now. I'm thinking, right, where are these guys in relation to each other and who's coming next? Hmm. Because we've got some real speed to come from a pretty large proportion of these squads. The side to side 65 there with the 50 car, and here comes the SPV car as well. John Hartshorn aware that he's there, There's so far he can go to the right. Tucks in behind as the 44 car goes by, 10th position. Good indication there of uh, how much quicker from not quite a dead stop but very slow corner at 14. The comparative acceleration speed of a, an LMP3 versus a GT3 car got by the Ferrari very quickly indeed. Dispatches the 88 Porsche as well. Paolo Venerossi. And down towards turns three, four and five. Finding quick succession. Short blast of a straight into six and seven as well. Meanwhile, in third position in GT3 is Martin Grab for Steeler F Squadron Corsa so this is the black Ferrari coming right towards us down the Mistral and there are LMP3s looking to get by very quickly that first of those is the 79 I reckon there's been, a, there's been a change around in that order because I think Tony Wells has dropped back a couple of positions here. yes yeah Tyson would agree with that yeah so we've got McCaig ahead is that running wide oh that's the Ferrari and trying to actually make room for the quicker LMP3s to get through. Tony Wells ooh, trying to just now thread the eye of the needle and get underneath the 458, which he did, I think, without contact. But the 79 and the 20 
Uh, oh, that was from earlier on in the race. No further action, we understand. But right, what that's, happened to Tony Wells? That's how Tony Wells lost it. There was, there was, if there wasn't contact, it certainly balked him. Four, five, eight. That lost in the position of McCaig and the loss of momentum. So him also fall behind Foubert. But he's now under real pressure from Eric Trullier. There is confirmation that the incident earlier on, the contact between Alistair McCaig and John Ludovic Foubert, there'll be no further action. Matt Bell taking a watching brief on the wall there at United Autosports. That's because Matt is looking forward to that milestone I was referring to when he gets aboard the Ligier. Uh, he will be starting his 100th race for United Autosports. Some record. Car 69, slow and has stopped at the final turn. And there it is, that's the 458. Well, yellow flags now covering it, and no sign of damage on that car, but grinding to a halt. Just before the pit entry. Huh. That's How the, that's frustrating the, that is that? That is the blend line right in the centre of the screen. Yep. No more than about 200 metres to, to the safety and sanctuary. Might again be, we've seen one or two electrical problems this weekend. Could be easily rectified with the team, if only the driver who is dropping down the order now, Martin Graham, down to sixth place. If Martin can just ease that car forward, maybe do a quick reset in the cockpit, get it to the team, they might be able to press the big reset button underneath the car and get it going again. Past comes the remarkably Toyota-looking uh, London uh, normal LMP3, but this battle that's been going on since the opening minutes is now for a podium position yeah. between the EB Motors Porsche and the number 50 Castle Racing car, John Hartshorn. Ollie Hancock still to come aboard this car. Yellow flags, of course, at that turn 13. Up the inside of the Porsche goes Michael Benham. I hope his car's not too damaged. So double yellows to protect the scene there as they'll make a decision whether or not it's safe to get an intervention vehicle there to tow that car to safety. Double wave yellows as a result of possibly uh, marshals needing to go out on track and to push start that Ferrari. See in the background Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini emerging for the third time and indeed we have got the intervention quad bike we've seen that here before yeah so single marshal rides the quad bike up to the front of the ferrari then gets off uh, attaches the, the tow rope the strop to the towing eye on the front of that 458 and it will presumably now be driven down the pit lane with uh, obviously still the driver on board martin grabs so he'll be able to steer it in the right direction and get it back to the team without the need of a safety car so really good recovery there 18 minutes from the halfway mark, Johnny, and uh, we're going to start to see some movement on pit lane with drivers getting themselves kitted up and ready. 6.7 seconds is now the margin, so that's come way, way down between Hugenboom and Nicolas Schatz. In fact, that Ferrari 458 will not return to the pit lane. It's going behind the Armco overlap and might find its way back to the pits by one of the internal roads. Green flags everywhere, including at Turn 14 now, so you can race once more. And I'm intrigued by Nicolas Schatz able to just close in a little bit now to the race leader. Seven seconds when it was as much as ten earlier on. Traffic, 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 I think, because he's now the leader. Uh, lapped everybody up to 13th position. Richard Means in the Gulf Marine liveried 
United Auto Sports car. So with 17 uh, minutes still to go to halfway here, he's going to have a lap on a remarkable proportion. It may well be the, as much as he can manage uh, to pass the 13th place car. As the pace of the remaining cars will, I think, keep them safe. Still this battle goes on between John Hartshorn. He's tried literally everywhere here mm. to get back by the Porsche. Yep, he has tried inside, outside, trying to throw the Porsche into a little bit of a... or throw the, a dummy at um, the Porsche driver. Totally Paolo clean, Rossi. Oh, no, he's been cracking stuff. Battle. Yeah, and uh, these drivers, non-pros, very gentlemanly battle, but they're very quick as well for their level of driving. And the Porsche has been kept wide by Paolo Venerossi. I'm sure there'll be handshakes all around when these drivers step out at half distance. But no change in the order, although, as you say, John Hartson is a right nuisance in the rearview mirrors here of this Porsche GT3. You can watch the race through all manner of uh, routes these days by your personal device, and that's being done on the pit wall. Porsche breaking into turn three, just about clipping the apex. I should say, by the way, they are being caught here by Claudio Schiavone mm. in the number 77 car. You can see the blue car in the background. So Schiavone in the 77 Kessel Racing Ferrari. Now up the inside, is that going to work for John Hartshorn? It's not. Closer than ever. He will have got the message that his teammate, it's a th another third Kessel car, is catching. Now back again, they go down the Mistral. Uh, of course, this might present an opportunity for John because if he allows Schiavone through and Schiavone finds a gap on the Porsche, John might be able to follow that uh, other Ferrari through, therefore. Wouldn't actually gain a place, as it turns out, but it'd be useful to get rid of this pesky Porsche nevertheless. Yeah, getting rather bored now of the sponsors oh, for that oh, car. That's trouble, trouble for John Ferrano in the 14 car. Can he restart? He has got it restarted. Turn nine. Takes the wide arc, turn around to rejoin. Away in the distance there is the um, paddock building and the garages, by the way. So an indication of exactly where it was on the circuit. And thankfully, that 14 car rejoins just before this battle for fourth and fifth. Third and fourth, rather, in the category, arrived on scene. There's the other Ferrari that Graham talks about. Claudio Schiavone getting larger and larger in the rearview mirror. John Hartshorn may have an opportunity of drawing alongside into 14, not quite he's perhaps just, more concentrated on the exit speed, he's waiting for we a, go. any kind of problem or mistake from the Porsche, he's got better straight line speed it seems there in the earlier part of the straights looks now to do the cut back has he got them out, I don't think he has you know, not going to be close enough is no. he and I don't think he's confident enough about the Ferrari on the brakes to go for a fully committed move into turn number one but it's interesting as he was pulling for second and third gears there the Ferrari definitely had the measure on the Porsche but then as the Porsche hit at mid-range away it went yep. so that's your balance of performance playing out in front of our eyes and here's the race leader Leonard Hugenboom now does he is he aware of how intense this fight is and actually it might drive a, an axe between these two sadly and that was actually Richard Means coming by as well, so that means he's already passed Richard Means, who's in 13th position, to put a lap on the 13th-placed car. So he's already lapped 15 cars in this stint. A, a magnificent display from Leonard Hugenboom, albeit he's the pro driver against, for the most part, the amateur opposition, but that's what they were attempting to do in this first half of the race.
Let's hope John Hartson can still stay with uh, Paolo Venerossi because it'd be good to see that strap continue until the pit stops. But uh, with the leader and other cars arriving on scene, that has somewhat separated the Porsche from the Ferrari numbers 88 and 50. It's also put the 77 into play because that's right now on the tail of John Hartshorn. That's the second back. But what about the leaders? 2.3 seconds. We asked the question about Leonard Hugenboom maybe pushing the car a bit too hard in the early part of the stint. Michelin tyres, although built for this length of race, may not have been oh. treated too well. I wonder whether there might be some contact there. That was the 20 and 39, I 39 think. car. Two, two normas. That is the recovering Eric Lullier. The two United cars, by the way, reverse positions again. Jim Maguire now again ahead of Nash Hussein. That's Eric Trillier, and he is now back up to where he's up to fifth position again. Tony Wells tucked in oh, behind. Oh, he's got trouble, he's got trouble, there was contact. Well, let's, it, I mean, it's fair to say Eric Trillier has not treated that Norma M30 too well throughout the race. Contact on the opening lap, that wasn't his fault. There was then uh, some barging and bumping between him and Michael Benham, and this has finished it off now with the front left uh, part of the nose and the wheel arch starting to just tear away from well, the let's car. Let's watch here how that happened. Up the... It was around the outside, wasn't it? Which became the inside here and then bang. That was the impact. So it's front left corner and now that pod which holds the light on the, the light cluster on the front left the corner is starting to detach. Yeah, the light goes out as the rubbing, I'm sure took the oh, trouble for Lannan as well trouble for Lannan as well car 25 off and stopped at turn 3 so we're not by the look of it going to get a chance to see Duncan Tappy and that car looks relatively straight so I don't think it is contact unless it's a legacy of the earlier bumping between Benham and Eric Truier which happened quite a bit a time ago now here is the other Kessel Ferrari off track there with a look up the inside of the EB Motors car. This is 77 in the hands of uh, Claudio Schiavone. John Hartshorn has been dispatched. Still in touch though. Schiavone looking for a quick way by the Porsche, which there is none yet. As you say though, Hartshorn looking to see whether or not he can come and play with this one too. Well, remember they are Kessel racing teammates, Schiavone and Hartshorn, so one could do another. The other a favour here, more LMP3s ganging up on this trio of GT3s as back to the pits, Eric Truier to replace that very second-hand nose with a brand-new part. It might not be graph-coloured quite yet, it's all carbon. That car might be easier for us to spot from this point onward. Here comes Schiavone, he looks to the outside. No room there to do it. It's got a little bit more confidence, hasn't he, than uh, John Hartshorn on the, the brakes for the Ferrari. Just to go back to the point about Eric Truier, sadly we haven't yet reached the pit window, so this uh, will have to be the first of a couple of stops that that car makes. And the 25 car just about to safety, so we should see those double yellows withdrawn in a few moments. It's been pulled. So the all-black nose now will make it rather easy to, uh, to pick this one out from the other cars. Fight back mode again. Yeah, he's getting bored of this steadily. Drops him out of the top ten pretty firmly. 
Well, here come uh, four of the GT3s in this race. There are only seven anyway, so to get all four or four of them on the same bit of straight is good going. That is the leader. That's yeah. the leader coming up to lap third, fourth and fifth. Down towards scene corner comes the 88 Porsche then, soon to be lapped by the GT3 leader. Paolo Venerossi ahead of Schiavone who's on the outside uh, line now, if he can get this wow. overtake done can he turn in though it's not quite finished off he does it I think he has excellent stuff wow John Hartzorn says oh, I've been trying all race to do that <laughs> and he, you make it look so so easy but uh, that's a different line for John he might try and use that in a moment or two to get past the Porsche himself well through goes the leader on the Porsche as well John Hartzorn meanwhile is all over the back of the Porsche again so it was a brief interlude, and now we're back to where we were, John. Begin. <laughs> Familiar territory. Unsurprisingly, the incident between uh, Jean-Ludovic Foubert and Eric Truyer is under investigation. That's where Truyer did significant damage to the front left corner of his car, now back in the race. But uh, that's going to be looked at again, and it might be. Truyer is given a penalty because of that as well. We'll wait and see. Now, thanks, by the way, to the uh, rotation of John Ferrano, he too has fallen back behind the leader. So the leader has now passed everybody up to ninth, would you believe? So Hugenboom's found more speed again. Yep. The gap came down to two seconds. It's now back up to 7.8, and that's an example of Nicolas Schatz basically encountering all the traffic that Leonard had to get by. So it's yin and yang, this uh, traffic lark. Sometimes it goes in your favour, sometimes not, but guaranteed the guy trying to chase you down... We'll have to get through that same bit of traffic. The United Order Sports guys are having a tremendous race here. Clearly no team orders <laughs> to keep things neat and tidy. They're Jim, allowed to race. That's Jim McGuire going back ahead again, and as you're saying. So they'll have a... I'm sure there'll be some fun banter after this one. Very much so. Uh, race to remember for Jim and Nadj. Jim did the full season last year. Nadj Hussein, new to the championship. Not sure how many races he's going to be doing. Rather, it's his teammate, Mahavavir Raganathan, who is in for, I think, just one drive. Just one, because Colin Brown, who will go. be the regular teammate aboard this car, is racing in IMSA this weekend at Long Beach, and goes by again. Excellent. But great to have Mahavavir, Mahavavir the Chennai-based driver, with us this weekend for a little guest cameo. An hour and seven minutes to go. Pretty sure there's another renowned race driver that comes from Chennai um, yes go on I've completely forgotten just now. looking at me aren't you we'll have a think I think we all know exactly <laughs> we're trying my mind's gone blank because I'm in Michelin Le Mans Cup uh, mode out of turn 14 goes the scrap then between the Porsche and the Ferrari and two United Autosport cars with the DB Autosport Jean Ludovic Foubert not very far away either so over the line they go Karen Chandok I thought that's exactly who you meant sorry Karen he's been in our booth as well I that's know. embarrassing uh, for some guest commentary two years ago I think it was at Red Bull Ring hello Karen yeah he's, he's not doing anything terribly high profile now is no, he no that's probably why I've forgotten his name <laughs> <laughs> we'll not live that down quickly no nope. uh, Sergio Pianazzola for Kessel Racing, leading GT3 and in 12th position overall now, with Christoph Ulrich in second place, the Spirit of Race car number 51, 
Claudia Schiavone having got by those uh, the Porsche and the Ferrari battle Venerossi and Hartshorn now into a potential podium finish here an hour and five minutes to go We've also got an extra responsibility this year, Graham. I was told yesterday. In Have that we? We've, we've got to, yeah, we've got to come up with a Spirit of the Race award. Have we for um, the press conference? I believe because there's a little trophy to go with that for today's race and the European Le Mans Series race tomorrow. So get your thinking caps on. I'll be asking you in about an hour's time about that. And by the way, I should say to any of the uh, the drivers and teams from the Michelin Le Mans Cup, we are completely incorruptible. <laughs> yeah. See Graham at the DSC uh, desk in the media yep. centre. You can have a chat. We'll, we'll work for food. Anything. <laughs> Still on goes this fantastic little battle. Porsche and Ferrari. EV Motors car. Look, I love the look of that car. In comes, I think, what is going to be the first flurry of pit stoppers. 23 car in the hands of Richard Means from a fine 10th position. Also in John Ferrano from 11th, drops immediately to 12th. And others further down the order, Claudios give only the first of the GT cars to arrive. And remember, it's a 10-minute pit lane window, effectively, because each, each of your two drivers has to do a minimum of 55 minutes. So they can run as far as uh, 65, if necessary. But to get uh, driver two in, and for the required amount of time, obviously the pit stop has to be done prior to an hour and five minutes of the race. We've had 55 minutes now. As you say, first stoppers. Christian England will now climb aboard that car. More jostling of positions. And is that the Motorsport 98 car? That is the Motorsport 98 car. Head of the batting pair of United Autosports. And by the way, from third has come the CD Sport car. Also in Alistair McCaig in the 79 and the DB Sports number 20. So this is going to get very hectic very, very quickly. Hugenboom leads after nearly 30 laps. Next time through, that will be 3-0 completed. 8.6 seconds back to Nicolas Schatz for DB Autosport. And then Tony Wells, Anthony Pons now in the pit lane. Alistair McCaig still timed and scored as fifth ahead of Adrian Schiller. But uh, we're about to see quite a bit of chopping and changing now in the race. Not least differences in pace for the various cars as... Uh, Silver graded drivers or gold in some cases hand over to bronze and vice versa. Fastest, Meanwhile, fastest lap of the race goes to the leader, Leonard Hergenboom. The end race cars under investigation for possible overtaking under yellow flags and drama for the 88 crossing the white line at pit entry. So that was a late call at EB Motors to call Paolo Venerossi in, and it looks like he's crossed that solid white line on the way into pit lane. Ouch don't often because that's a matter of fact you don't often get away with that but it will be looked at again meanwhile down into scene corner go two of the graph cars we can see which two they are we now, can now. the two without the black the black nose on them and they're both Ligiers although it's tricky from some camera angles to tell the park because we're quite a bit away from the track absolutely they're running by the way fourth and fifth uh, with the melee in pit lane as in comes the 32 that's Naj Hussain brings the car in so it will be Indian driver Mahavavir Raganathan to take that over for the American squad. And the leader stays out. Now, 
Hugenboo being a silver-ranked driver will push the envelope as far as possible. Yeah, Tony Wells has managed his way down pit lane in from fourth position, as is the 65 and the 44. So first and second, the three and the 21 stay out. So does the 40 graph car, Adrian Chiller. So does the eight car, uh, that is the GT3 leader. That car currently running in seventh overall, but owes us that stop. So this will start to one itself out. First lap, by the way, the 151s. And that comes not from Dicker Engineering, but from Nico Schatz. Mm. As in comes Leonard Hergenboom. Well, the car's at their lightest now, with uh, very little fuel on board. Meanwhile, side by side here between the EB Motors and the Ferrari. Different drivers, though, bear in mind. So in the 88, we've now got Alessandro Piccani and... Ollie Hancock Indeed. is Hartshorn's teammate. Three wide into scene. Oh, breathe in, boys. Which way is this going to go? Well, Hancock knew he got space on the outside and gets rid of Bacani very neatly indeed. Bacani, remember, is a bronze-graded driver. Ollie Hancock with much more experience. So makes actually quick work of that as an LMP3 tries to go around the outside of Bacani at uh, turn eight and nine. That was brave, got forced off the road. Meanwhile... Trying to get the tyre gun, the airline, stretching round the front of the car. That reminds me, uh, down in the local supermarket car park, trying to get to, to the rears when you parked it at the wrong angle. And SPV Racing, Alvaro Fontes comes in from sixth position. John Hartshorn will be thinking, must ask Ollie how he did that. Yeah. Has he been given a little bit of extra horsepower? Well, no, not really. It's just down to the exit, out of uh, five and six, I suppose, to give you the optimum speed down the Mistral straight. We just ticked over half-distance, Graham. Yeah, it will turn out that that was the one place that John Hartson didn't actually try to overtake. You can't, um, can't admit that he you know, hadn't tried every other line around this place. Certainly tried all sorts of tricks in the book as Nicolas Schatz, still on board the 21 car, hurls his machine up the inside. Let's hope he doesn't need to make the pits this lap. No, no he he's doesn't. he's going around again. That's okay. so the no, that's only right. car, only car, not to a pitted now that uh, remains in the race. Can squeeze one more lap out of it, and why would you not want to with Nicolas Schatz, the quicker of the two drivers at DB Autosport, who'll be handing over to Jacques Wolf, I reckon, next time around. I do apologise, there's one more that hasn't. It did pit, but uh, uh, for other reasons, that's the 39 car, Eric Trullier, still out there as well, in fourth. And we had a drive-through for the 98 car, didn't we? So we did, but that has had two stops. Two stops Merrick is now aboard. Welsh Wizard Andy. Yeah. 14th position in the Motorsport 98 car. In two has come the GT3 leader, now dropping them down the order back into its correct relative position. Jens Pettersson, by the way, is now aboard the DKR engineering car. And rolling. He has a one minute. Uh, no, we'll wait till, wait till they've actually come around because that is what the car behind him is in pit lane at the moment. Lap 33 then for Nicolas Schatz, and we're expecting him to stop at the end of this one. There he is. The mandatory pit stop. Norma at the trio, at the back of this uh, trio. That's the Ginetta, and ahead of that, Aligier. So all three chassis in shot briefly. There they are. Great to have Ginetta as part of this field once more after seeing um, in the Road to Le Mans races. So Luca Magnoni is now aboard that car. And the 
regular Nova Race customer drivers. Yep, having taken over from Shinyo Sana, his Japanese co-driver. 57 and a half minutes to go, and this is going to be the moment, I reckon, that Nicolas Schatz turns yep. right. Yes, he does, hugging that Armco barrier. Need to be careful on the entry that you don't lose, leave the braking too late. It's quite a sharp right and left-hand turn, and then there is very little space indeed in the pit lane, but it helps if you just stop there at the uh, first of the bays on the pit lane apron, neatly this, positioned. This is going to be an interesting one, because it's going to have that long run down pit lane. Where is he going to come out in relation to this car? The chasing now number three of Jens Pettersson. He's in the final sector. I think Pettersson is going to retake the lead here. He is going to retake the lead because he's gone past the car now. So that's flashing lights on I'm the back of that sure car. I'm not sure that's rain lights. It's got is the it? rain lights on. I don't think it is raining. Now, no. Do you get a penalty for that if it's not I don't raining? I think so. Okay. So the car is up to full speed. I thought for a moment there might be a pit lane speed limiter on the car, but it looks fine. Heading through turns one and two. He's got a big lead here, hasn't he? Well, yes, and that was mainly built up by his teammate, Hugenboom. The question is, what is the speed going to be like for Jacques Wolf uh, compared uh, to um, Jens Pedersen? No, he's not taking the lead yet. He was a lap down. Ah, oh, there we go. That, right, that makes much more sense. So, in but fact, as the three car came in, I think he went off the lead lap, didn't he? He did. Yeah. So, I think... No, that's, I think that yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. It's because right. what I was trying to work out is Nico Schatz have been mercurial for the last 10 minutes or so. So yes. how can he possibly not? Yeah, so the car comes down off the jacks. The final Remember, few seconds tick by. It's a minimum pit stop time. It's a minimum pit stop time. But he's going to be on that minimum because they've got time to do it. Watching the watch. Through scene comes the number three car. So, still got turns 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 and 14 to negotiate. And then the number three car will be on a, a level par. Now it's released, but he can't go full speed down the pit lane, remember? No. So it's going to be, how long does it take him to get to that green light and rejoin? How long does it take the number three car to get there at full racing speed? There's not be much in this, is there? Eric Truyer, uh, a car that's released just in front of Nicolas Schatz as well. So it's the second car in the queue coming out of pit lane. Not that car, but the second car. There is the DKR car. He's going to see the car emerge in front of him. It's the length of the pit, pit straight. Jack Wolf in that 29 car then, taking that car over from Schatz, now leads the race. And, well, we'll get you a gap next time through Sector 1, which will be at uh, full speed. It's a little bit deceptive with the car going at only 60 k's down the, down the pit lane. One, two, three, by the way, in GT now is uh, old Ferrari. It's Kessel Racing, Giacomo Piccini. It is Maurizio Mediani in the number 51 Spirit of Race car. And uh, it is Andrea Piccini and of Ollie Hancock in the two Kessel cars, 77 and 50. So it's one, two, three, four now for Ferrari, but team managers from car 99 and 88, that's the EB Motors Porsche and the 99 N-Race Ligier been called to see race control. So 4.3 seconds, sounds about right, doesn't it, between Jacques Wolf in the DB Autosport car and Jens Pedersen in the DKR engineering machine. So 21 from three, then the 79 of Colin Noble, and Colin could be an awful lot quicker 
than the top two. So we'll see whether he can start to reel in these runaway leaders. Then we have Morlini for the DB Autosport car in fourth place. But after that uh, round of pit stops, let's get some reaction now from the pit lane with Charlie George. Yeah, I'm down here with Sergio's a very happy guy. Just got out of that car and handed it over in the lead to Giacomo. Now, the most amazing story is this is only your third race, but you do have experience, don't you? Uh, yes, my, my personal skill is uh, rallying. I was a rally driver when I was a little bit younger. And uh, for some reasons, and also because of my friend Giacomo and Andrea that uh, is racing on the 77 car right now, uh, I switched to the racetrack and uh, I, I, I had the chance to experience a lot with Ferrari Challenge and then since a couple of seasons uh, I'm testing with the GT3, uh, better I had the chance to drive once the Gulf 12 hours in 2016 and uh, last year we did repeat uh, the experience with the 77 crew with the same car, we won the Pro-Am and so this season I have this chance to attend to the Le Mans Cup together with Giacomo at the moment, but uh, we are going to wait in uh, my uh, friend Deborah that is going to come back and I will share the car with her later in the season as soon as uh, she will uh, recover and she will be ready to go. Thank you, good luck. Thank you. Sergio Pianazzola handing the car over then to Giacomo Piccini and we talk about this only being his third race as such, but uh, as pointed race. out... Oh, right, third GT race. Sounded okay. that way to me. Well, Ferrari Challenge is a high standard, can be, uh, wherever you do it around the world. Graham's doing the international symbol of another overtake. Tell us uh, about well, it. It's an overtake for the lead. Jens Pedersen has, has caught and passed uh, the DB Autosport car, the number 21 car, and is pulling away again. Uh, now, in terms of what kind of advantage does this pair have over a chasing pack, the answer is over a minute. Colin Noble is now running in third position in the number 79 uh, Courier Cost Nielsen squad. There we have it on screen. One minute uh, ten seconds back from the leader. One minute fifteen seconds back is the number twenty DB Autosport. Everybody else, it says there, but it's actually that's not correct. It's just at the point at which the timing was taken. Uh, over a minute and twenty seconds back. So it is DKR from DB Courier Cost Nielsen number seventy nine. Then the DB twenty. Uh, then the second of the Nielsen cars, the Courier Cost cars, number two. First, the Graf cars, 65. SPV's 44. The 40 Graf machine, CD Sports in the 30 car. RLR round out the top ten. Just to make the point clear, you were about to say everybody else a lap behind, but actually we're waiting for a few more they were. to come across the line. But it's a significant margin. It is. We've had an awful lot of action for the first hour and ten minutes, and this was the start in beautiful sunshine. Temperatures approaching 20 degrees Celsius and five abreast. Would you want any more than that heading down to the first corner? Tony Wells sniffing a chance of the race lead, not quite pulling it off to get ahead of Eric Truier, and then sadly down at turn three on the opening lap, there was contact between Eric and Tony, nerfing Truier's car into a spin, and Tony Wells then taking the race lead. And then we were treated to a battle between Tony and Leonard Hugenboom, a bronze-graded driver up against a silver. And Hugenboom didn't take too long at all for DKR Engineering to get by. Then a big off for Tony Wells. Thankfully, he kept it out of the barrier and actually straightened the car up very swiftly indeed. Got back into the race, but had lost two or three places. This was him getting in front of teammate Alistair McCaig, and Alistair giving him plenty of racing room. 
But those two, Ikaria Kost, Nielsen cars, have stayed with each other for much of the rest of the race. They've started to separate now. There was contact between Michael Benham and a recovering Eric Truier with the 44 SPV car almost caught up in that battle. And more contact for the Eric Truier car, and this uh, resulted in big damage for the front left corner, clattering into the side there of Jean-Ludovic Foubert. We've now had pit stops to change all of these drivers. That was the moment then that the light pod on the front left corner, which also forms the part of the wheel arch as well, broke free from the car. It required a brand new nose. The car pitted at the end of that lap. Brief glimpse there of the GT3 leader. Here is the number three car then, Leonard Hugenboom, who missed his pit stop, uh, missed his pit bay rather, and needed to be wheeled back into position by the crew. We'd missed that at the time. And now we have brand new drivers at the wheel of all of these cars. So Jens Pettersen is now driving the number three car. Uh, still in the lead by 4.7 seconds from Jacques Wolf in the 21 DB Autosport car. But Colin Noble is a little quicker, certainly, than Jack Wolf. The similar speed, though, between Noble and Pettersen, but it's difficult to read this because, obviously, all these cars are encountering traffic with every lap, too. In clear air, Colin Noble would be quicker than Pettersen, but it's a question of whether that gap of a minute is too much to make up now. It's about three or four seconds in clear air for okay. the chasing pack with 48 minutes to go. That's going to close up. Yes. Meantime, we've had a couple of drive-through penalties assessed. One for car 88 for crossing that uh, pit entry white line. That's the EV Motors Porsche. That car is running fifth at the moment in the GT3 mm. class. And also for the number 99 car, that's the N-Race car uh, for overtaking under yellow. That car currently running 21st overall, 19th in the LMP3 class. But uh, to give you an idea of the closure in pace here, Jens Petersen last time around, I think his quickest lap we've seen from him so far, 156.6 uh, Wolf in the DP Autosports normal the 21 car 159 the pack behind all the 54s or indeed the 53s uh, and around 67 to 77 seconds back so let's keep an eye on how quickly that gap can close 36 laps completed and 47 and a half minutes to go this is what happened then in the opening phases of the race. Big moments, three of them really, for Eric Truier, which resulted in damage to the nose of the 39 car. The TKS Ginetta making its stop, and Shinyo Sana handing over to co-driver Luca Magnoni. An example of the various nationalities we have taking part in the Michelin Le Mans Cup this year. And over the line go some of the key players in this race. 7.7 seconds is the gap between Jens Pettersen and Jacques Wolf. This is the re-nosed 39 car then. Eric Truier handing over to son Adrian Truier. That is uh, uh, unlapping himself once from the 21 car, Adrian Truier. And presumably then heading off in pursuit of Jens Pettersen. Uh, Adrian Truier last time around in 158 by the look of it. That will have been because of the traffic, if you like, that uh, Wolf actually represented. Keeping still an eye on the relative pace of that chasing pack. They are taking four or five seconds a lap out of that DB Autosport car in second. And Nicola Molini, a man we've not mentioned an awful lot about, has taken over the DB Autosport car, by the way, from Jean-Ludovic uh, uh, Foubert. And that car in fourth position with James Littlejohn in pursuit. It's just under seven seconds, the gap between Molini 
and the Brit. In GT, meanwhile, we've not mentioned the GT battle for the little wee while. 14th position overall for the leading number eight Kessel Racing car. This is uh, the pit wall equipment. It's a car in the hands of Giacomo Pacini and has quite some gap. It's something like, what is that, 40 seconds gap over Maurizio Mediani in spirit of race number 51 car with the Kessel Racing number 77 in the hands of the older of the two, uh, Pacini Bros. Uh, in third position uh, some nine seconds ahead of Ollie Hancock and Ollie pacing Andrea Pacini As into the pits comes one of the Ferraris at 71 again it's been a dreadful race for the, those guys hasn't it I think this might be Pacini actually handing the car over this is the fourth pit stop in the race so far Jop van Utert, by the way, in the number 14 car now, unlapping himself. So that looked like a battle for the lead. In fact, it wasn't because Jens Pettersen retains the lead from Jacques Wolf. There are an awful lot of quick peddlers behind now catching these two cars up. Uh, pit stop of the Trulier family efforts in the Graf 39 car is under investigation. The team manager's car 71 to the race director, it seems. So perhaps not happy with something that's either happened on track or on pit lane. We will wait and see. Graf Ligier side by side with the TKS Ginetta Juno. And TKS are currently in um, the 17th position in car number 96. That's the 40 car lapping TKS machine. And what happened here? A spin for the 20. Yes, 2-0 going straight on place car. so that's big news for Nicola Molini as not for the first time the 71 Ferraris in the pits as Graham's mentioned the team manager of that car being sent to the race director as well, well that's big news too for Curiecos Nielsen because their two Ligiers are now at uh, up into third and fourth position minute and two and a minute and ten seconds respectively off the lead so that was a spin for Molini at turn nine, I think. The entry into the hairpin immediately after seeing corner. We've seen quite a number of cars having problems into that fast right-hander at the end of the Mistral, but it was the next corner round that Molini made the, the error. So Londoner James Littlejohn now following Colin Noble, but we've got about eight seconds to try and find before we have the two Ecuria cost nielsen cars together. DB Autosports... So rejoined in fifth position after that spin and then Della Foss for Graf Racing in sixth place so DKR Engineering lead with Jens Pettersen at the wheel let's grab a word with his teammate Leonard Hugenboom now with Charlie George yeah and down at DKR Engineering Leonard for your first stint in Michelin Le Mans Cup you must be very happy with that yes we start at P5 and the first couple of laps we did some good overtaking and then we P1 this is really good and then after that we had a little bit of traffic and overtake so much as possible. But so now we still P1 as we hope for the best. Now of course DKR Engineering as a team are the reigning champions. Is the goal to keep that and uh, maintain the championship? Yeah, it's always a goal, uh, the goal, but it's always hard to say. Eh? But we go for the best. Thank you and welcome to the championship. Thank you very much. Well, you could say he's picked the right team because they have good form in recent years in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. There's only been one winner so far in the LMP3 category and it is the Luxembourgish team. So let's see how the three gets on this year. But they've started very well. The question is, has Colin Noble got enough of the race left 
to try and reel in the top two. I think certainly for Jack Wolf. Um, this is going to be a close battle. It's going to be close. 40, just under 42 minutes left. He's catching Jack Wolf by something around four seconds a lap. And if he can maintain that, I think he'll certainly get there. Uh, but uh, just a word for Leonard Hugenboom. That was a very focused hour or so of track action from him. Very clear what the tactic was. Go really, really quickly, <laughs> I think is what it came down to. And he did that in a very convincing way for the full hour on track. Uh, putting a lap on everybody bar the top 10 before handing over to Jens Pettersson, who, by the way, is putting in some very good laps in the 55s. At this rate of closing, he is not going to be caught. Uh, but uh, you're right, absolutely right, Jack Volk may well, well be under rather more uh, pressure. 47 seconds now ahead from Colin Noble, uh, with James Littlejohn a further nine seconds further back. So let's keep an eye on how this is all panning out. A lot of very quick guys in the lower order of the top ten and the indeed the higher order of the teens closing fast. Uh, he could find himself absolutely swamped. Yeah, they're coming, aren't they? Steadily and surely. You can't quite tell that just yet, but um, check, you know, compare average lap times with the second and the third place, or rather the third and the fourth place cars with the two leaders, and there's quite a difference there. And this is the beauty of the Michelin Le Mans Cup with the Different driver experiences, different driver talents. You've got uh, semi-pros up against uh, non-pros, gentlemen drivers, who um, just go racing as uh, an extra part of their career, effectively. They may be successful in other areas of business um, to choose to come racing for seven events through the course of the year, with eyes, no doubt, all of them, on racing at Le Mans 24 hours one day. So there's the battle for, well, effectively the podium positions here. There's also an interesting battle developing just outside the top ten between two of the United Autosports cars and uh, sandwiched by them is the Motorsport 98 car. Christian England and the American Matt Bell separated by about 20 seconds. American Bell almost together on track with America head of the Newcastle man in his 100th race for United Autosports. He'll be looking to uh, squeeze the best result he possibly can. They are amongst the quickest of all on track that trio at the moment so let's wait and see what happens there too Yep, Panita meanwhile in the 52s uh, after he's uh, got a little bit more of a job to do after John Ferrano had that bit of a whoopsie towards the end of his stint but uh, Van Etert who put in a fine run in qualifying in the European Le Mans series running 10th he's a minute and 47 seconds off the leader but he's 14 seconds back from the number 30 CD sport car last time around uh, well, it did take a little bit of time out then, but it's just intense at the moment. Uh, quickest man on circuit at the moment, though, is Joop van Utert, uh, just bettered, as I say that, by Matt Bell. 153.3, a very good time there from Colin Noble in third position. His uh, best, the car's best of the race. James Littlejohn, 10 seconds now adrift of his teammate. But uh, that's the swings and roundabouts nature of meeting traffic sometimes you'll get a bit of clear air sometimes you'll have to bide your time be patient and realize you're not going to win the lap we're in the race race on this single lap better to just uh, follow some slower gt3 traffic through the tighter corners and wait for your opportunity on the main straight or the mistral other drivers finding speed include in the number 40 car um mark antoine danilou of france taking the Graf car over from Adrian Schiller. Danilou impressive in that eighth-placed car. And Van Utert, we've mentioned an awful lot about 
in the RLR M Sport car. So close here between the 20 and the 65. And this is Damien Delafosse, also of France, trying to reel in the driver of number 20, Nicolas Molina. Marlini. Molini keeping that car as wide as possible, but it might be a question of uh, accepting the inevitable here. Delafosse looks to be quicker in this phase of the race. In the 44 car, it was Alvaro Fontes earlier on, handing now to Ricardo Sanchez, the Mexican driver, who is ranked as silver. So he's quicker than his teammate. And uh, Sanchez in the background, in the bright yellow SPV machine, one to look out for possibly in the final half an hour and a bit of this race. Yeah, again, we've got, what, four, one, two, three, four, five cars within about 11, 12 seconds with Sanchez not quite at the back of that uh, that train. So that relative pace between some of these, well, uh, more experienced amateurs or pro racers beginning to tell now, and we're beginning a bit of a cluster of LMP3 cars back together here. Certainly are. There's the TKS, and that's Van Utert just behind, so not on the same lap, these two cars. 51 is the second of the GT3s with Maurizio Mediani effectively trying to hunt down Giacomo Piccini but the margin is great between the Kessel Racing Ferrari and the Spirit of Race example Kessel looking like a really good result for them here the Swiss team with Andrea Piccini in the 77 Ollie Hancock in the 50 car there's 11 seconds separating those GT3 runners Alessandro Bacani can't live with the speed of the silver graded drivers around him so one of a few in the field utilising a double bronze driver lineup. 40 seconds now the gap by the way uh, Colin Noble closing in on the DB Autosport car for second place and if anything that rate of closure has eased off a little bit and that's not necessarily because Colin Noble has been uh, off the gas, it's because Jens uh, Wolf is actually finding just a little bit more pace, that's bad news for the guys following him Little wiggle there from Damien Delafosse. That might be due to the lack of uh, air going over the car cleanly. You remember it's uh, it's flowing over the car in front and getting disrupted, and then not really flowing over the Ligier behind as the designer intended. So you can get just as you would do in a single-seater category that dirty air effect, which means the car in pursuit all of a sudden loses a lot of its downforce. Darting from left to right there. Is that Matt Bell? That is Matt Bell. Yes, in the 22. Just sort of took on a character of Matt Bell somehow in his 100th race. So well, I've watched a, a number of um, races with the Geordie as part of it. This is looking to unlap himself from the second-place car overall. He's just done that. So Matt's on a mission. Well, his first mission is to catch Andy Merrick, who is yeah. just the next car ahead. So this is a battle of position between the red and... Uh, black Motorsport 98 machine and Matt Bell in the aero liveried silvered blue red and white machine and a battle for 12th position separated at the moment by just about a second Alessandro Bacani just up ahead in the EB Motors Porsche about to be lapped by probably all four of these cars in due course that the Norma in the background is the 21 of Shaq Wolf yeah, the car in the foreground by the way is the Brookspeed number 4 Nico Ronde it's uh, the man at the wheel of that car in the top 20 now. Looks big car. A very conservative run here. Some problems in the earlier part of the week with 
Well, a bit of a, a bit of a bit of an off that caused some damage to drive shafts of that car, which uh, cost them some track time. Uh, well, getting into the groove. I think we'll see them move up through the order through the season, but Great Hambrook speed back. Colin Noble, meanwhile, puts in his fastest lap of the race. He must have been listening. Hmm. Uh, now 34.9 seconds back from the 21 car. This, I understand, is just a one-off appearance for Nicola Ronde, by the way, because it'll be Jordan Sanders for the rest of the year. Oh, now there's a quick man. At Brook Speed International Motorsport. Hugely impressive during the prototype races at the start of the year in Dubai. But the three by three proto series, uh, prototype series events there. And yes, looking forward to seeing Jordan as part of the Michelin Le Mans Cup from Monza onwards. Down to scene corner goes the Molini driven DB Autosport car, and now trying to slot up the inside. Oh, that's a very oh, that was a three way, a three way contact. Maybe even been four as the Brooksby car came through. The problem was the gap was closing by the DB Autosport machine of Nicola Molini and trying to slot up the inside Damien Delafosse. All of a sudden Molini had to make room as was there nearly contact for the race leader I think here there as well. Was very nearly contact for the race leader. Was there indeed contact for the race leader? Is it going to be here? And has to duck out of it. That's the 39 car going off. Pretty wild there, I'm afraid, from Adrian. And that was Christian England as well, managing to sneak through and I think gain, well, certainly one place and unlap himself on the leader as well. But yeah, that moment uh, a short uh, couple of seconds ago was Della Foss trying to slot up the inside then of Nicolo Molini. And Molini, as he made space for a charging Della Foss, nearly cleaned out one of the Ferraris on his outside. So three abreast into that corner was always going to be tricky to make. And... Uh, I think we've got probably three slightly damaged cars. Let's hope they all make it to the finish. Not to the extent that bodywork is hanging off, but they won't be handling quite as well as they were no. a couple of moments ago. Clattered on the wheels as well, which is yes. never a good thing. Sensitive areas. Yeah. Shock transferred back through gearboxes. Never, never a very good news. Let's wait and see. Fingers crossed that they can all make it reliably and at pace to the flag. We have 31 minutes remaining. Colin Noble, by the way, is making a liar off me. Um, he's just, just put in a second consecutive fastest lap of the race for the number 79 car. Fastest lap for that car is the process of doing a third in a row. The gap is now 31 seconds to uh, Jens Wolf. Uh, Jens Wolf now 17.8 seconds back from the leader. Meanwhile, uh, there's the Motorsport 98 car of Andy Merrick and Matt Bell tucked in behind. Expect these two cars to probably be with each other to the end of the race now because Merrick's not going to make it easy for Bell and looks to be extremely rapid into turn three and now four and five which follow very quickly if anything the more pointy of the cars looks to be Matt I would say slightly more manoeuvrable and the 22 car remember was with the 23 for the bulk of the opening stint there's a bit of a gap now as the drivers have been switched so Christian England taking over the 23 that was started by Richard Mines and the Jim Maguire car handed over to Matt Bell and Christian England was as I say very close to being involved with that incident at turn five not too long ago when the leader was nearly cleaned out by a hard charging Danny Liu so Jens Pettersen leads by 19 seconds he's lap 46 we've got half an hour pretty much still to go I think we've had a problem uh, somewhere for Damien Delafosse because he dropped a couple of positions on okay. that lap. 65 down to 7th and a slower lap time, about 10 seconds off 
where you'd have expected him to be, so I think he's had uh, a brief sojourn, as it were. Yes, final sector looks suspicious, doesn't it? It's about nine seconds slower than uh, anybody else going through that area of the track. Keep an eye on that pace. Let's hope it's not the result of the uh, earlier argy-bargy. Well, there is Delafosse, and he's being pursued by Danilu, his teammate. So 65 and 40 are, yes, yeah, separated by six-tenths of a second, and right behind is Laurence Huer, the German driver, as all of a sudden, Jop van Utert sets the best first sector of anybody in the RLR M Sport car. So well, he's charging up the order, 10th place so far for the Dutchman. Well, 10 seconds would see him gain three places. Yeah. 10 seconds gained would see him gain three places in this order. 152.749 last time around. What can he do this time? A bit of clear air. He's got a 10-second gap to catch up with Lawrence Kerr. Uh, 20, by the way, team manager called to race control. Here's Nicola Molini involved in that three-way tussle. The gap now, by the way, Colin Noble to Jens Wolf is 26.2 seconds. And Ricardo Sanchez not very far away now from Nicola Molini either, so we may have a change for fifth place in the not-too-distant future. 2.1 seconds is the gap. There's the number 22 car of Matt Bell, who is still just four-tenths of a second behind Andy Merrick, and that change has happened with Ricardo Sanchez now ahead of Nicola Molini, who and slips to sixth. Meanwhile, it's further bad news for the 39 car. We drive through penalty for a pit-stop infringement for that team. Comes that trio of B3 cars. Two graph cars trying to chase down CD Sport car. Turn two goes this little battle, including the 30 machine of Lawrence Hur and the two Graf cars, Delafosse and Danny Lou. Then it's Jop van Outert in the number 14 car. Christian England comes next in the 23, 11th place. Then Andy Merrick and Matt Bell more or less attached to one another. And then the leading GT3 machine of Giacomo Piccini, the Castle Racing Ferrari, car number eight in that uh, deep pink and uh, dark blue Ferrari. Puts in the fastest lap of his race that time around Giacomo Piccini in that 14th position. He's being caught by the number 32 car, the uh, third of the United All Sports machines. Got Van Outert in the background, I noticed there, for... RLLM Sport, so an indication of quite how close he's getting now to the two graph runners, Delafosse and Danny Lou. Out of turn nine, they go, and Van Utert will appear in a moment or two in the RLR colours. DKR Engineering, though, still lead the way. Another three or two and a bit laps, and we'll be up to the 50 mark. Looking very comfortable there as well, into the 54s from Jens Pettersson. Bit of a lock-up there from the second of the Graf Ligiers, I noticed. Just going a bit too hot into turn 11. Kajocci is the latest man to be called down pit lane for a drive-through penalty. Matt Bell having to get out of that manoeuvre on the Brookspeed International car. Nicola Ronde giving him absolutely no room whatsoever, even though that was Lappery taking place. These cars are not on the same lap. Matt Bell... Uh, a full lap ahead effectively looking to go a further lap in front of Nicolas Ronde but had to 
back out of that uh, move. An extra pit stop for Nicola Molini. That's going to cost them. He's going to drop back out of the top ten. Meanwhile, Damien Delafosse and Danny Luke trying to get through the Ferrari, past the Ferrari number 50, I think that is, of Ollie Hancock. Everyone just about making room for one another. Vanito, by the way, yet another fastest, outright fastest first sector of the race, 33.025. He's now under six seconds back from the graph pair. Colin Noble also finding time as well. So the top three relatively equally spaced now. 22 seconds, I make it Pettersson to Wolf. A further 22, Wolf to Noble. And... He's got 25 minutes as Colin Noble to try and get better than third. A 152.939, his best lap of the race, will certainly help. That's four seconds quicker than the car is chasing. 20 seconds is the gap. And that pressure is beginning to pay, isn't it? It's beginning to tell. James Littlejohn's not very far away from that speed either. The gap between the two Ikuria Cost Nielsen drivers has been about 10 seconds since. Well, it opened up to that margin quickly after the pit stops and now it's stabilised. Ricardo Sanchez is offering about the same sort of speed as well. Lance Hur might be one to improve before anybody else. Six seconds is that margin and he's down in the 153 flats. 152.9 Colin Noble. So he's the quickest of the top ten. But Jop uh, van Utert's not very far away. The RLR Motorsport car and closing, closing quickly. The battle between the two graph cars has not helped their endeavour to get away from Jupp van Utert. He's now under five seconds back. We've got 24 minutes left of the race. Van Utert, though, has got to deal now with the traffic that, of course, this pair had already dealt with. Still half a second between Andy Berwick and Matt Bell. I'm sure they're thoroughly enjoying this, but Matt would like to be by and to improve his finishing position by one more for a 100th United Order Sports race. Yeah, 11th overall for that pair. I mean, uh, well, with the delay for the DB Autosport car, Malini now back in. What are we watching here? That is Christian England. Bit of a lock-up there for Christian. Yeah into the first corner. Meanwhile, here's the other United Autosports car then, chasing down Andy Merrick. Janetta just ahead of them. Car running an 18th position overall with Luca Magnoni. Just having just done its fastest lap of the race. It's uh, Colin Noble, 17 seconds this time, and another fastest lap for the Scots. So, 79 third position and now opening up a little bit of a gap on teammate James Littlejohn as well 11.5 seconds the gap from third to fourth 16.8 seconds the margin Noble to Jacques Wolf. race win might be just out of his grasp but second place highly possible here 152.7 from Colin Noble who is hustling that uh, car there's been a Changing the order for the graph cars, I notice, because uh, Danny Lou is now ahead of teammate Damien Delafosse, 65 car. Noted that Delafosse might just be off the edge of the earlier pace for that machine. And 
and he's about to be joined by Jop van Utert as well. Four and a half seconds back now, Van Utert. Christian England is quicker than any of them ahead of him, but uh, he's a full 23 seconds away. Meantime, the Motorsport 98 United Autosports train rolls on. Matt Bell has a cheeky look up the inside. Andy Merrick's having none of that. Sticks to his line, keeps the plan, and we continue in exactly the same vein we've had for lap after lap after lap. I think you might well have been right, Johnny, when you said they might well be together for the rest of this race. I didn't imagine Andy Merrick would give him uh, one slither or not of an opportunity. So it's going to have to be earned here by Matt Bell. They offer such great speed, these two. And there's obviously an optimum speed. You know, there's a point where you just cannot drive any faster in these Ligiers without falling off the track. And these two will find that marker and stay at it for pretty much all of their stint. So where is the opportunity here for Matt Bell? It's probably going to be in traffic being able to read the situation just a couple of metres back from where Andy Merrick sits. But he's so experienced, Andy, in all manner of sports cars around the world. Originally from Swansea, the Welsh wizard, as Graham's already um, deemed him. And uh, Matt Bell, from, so it's a true Welsh-English battle, this. Yep, but Matt Bell is the younger and hairier of the two Bell brothers. Rob Bell, of course, is his elder brother. Harrier on top, do you mean? Particularly, yeah. That's all I know about. But, um, but certainly, yeah. Rob's certainly the shinier headed of the two Bell brothers. No less quick. No less for quick. That. Possibly quicker, you might say. So out of the right hander goes turn twelve. Uh, the battle between Merrick and Matt Bell, and then the race leader's not very far away either. So they're going to unlap themselves in a moment or two, catching Jens Petersen. There he is in the distance, in fact, heading under the gantry. And in 20 minutes' time, there will be a check and flag waved in roughly that sort of area. So I reckon these two will finish on the lead lap, because Jens Pedersen, as quick as he is, not quite as fast as these two. This might be Matt's opportunity, actually. Catching a quickish leader, but not as quick as these two. Not able, really, at that point to pick his line, is he? He's got to take account of what Jens Pettersson is going to do. These are certainly quicker at the moment. So into turn five they go. And we're going to get to an opportunity now to head into the Ikuriakos Nielsen crew. I have a word with Tony Wells after an eventful race for him at the start of this event. Yeah, I'm down here with Tony, a familiar face from last season, and a, perhaps a glutton for punishment. You're doing both championships again, both the Michelin Le Mans Cup and ELMS. Yeah, well, it's a nice way to finish uh, Saturday afternoon, isn't it? So I enjoyed Michelin Cup last year, so uh, I wanted to do it again, and uh, I'm back in the car with James from, uh, from Radical Days, so uh, yeah, we're having a laugh. A frustrating opening stint for you, though. Well, a bit bittersweet, wasn't it? It was a great start, got the lead, and then uh, uh, completely over-optimistic into scene. I, I was in sixth, and I didn't really break enough, and I lost the back. And uh, that was a shame because, well, obviously, you were away, and, you know, we probably had a chance to win, and uh, got stuck in the traffic. It took me ages to get past uh, Adrian Chiller, and uh, then you just backed up into the traffic, aren't you? But... Uh, you know, James is doing all right. I don't think we're going to quite get the podium, but, uh, you know, considering uh, what an exciting corner that was, then we're doing all right. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, he actually recovered the moment pretty swiftly. Oh, and to did. lose only eight seconds, you know, he'd be kicking himself right now, but he'll realise it could have been a lot, lot worse. 
You don't have a small moment at scene corner. No, generally speaking. No, you don't. Ask um, ask Thomas Enger how big a moment you have at uh, scene corner. Yes. So there's still bits of that on my office wall. Uh, but uh, all of a sudden, the rate of closing, by the way, for Colin Noble has just eased off a little. It's now 12.8 seconds. The gap, 17, just about 18 minutes left in this race. Uh, he's still taking a second and a half out of that uh, of that lead. But again, Jens Wolf has just upped the ante a little bit. So. It could get exciting. Let's wait and see how that one winds up. Meantime, American Belt still having that bromance back in 11th and 12th position uh, for the Motorsport 98 and the 22 United Autosport squad. Uh, that, that could go either way, couldn't it? It's, it's going to be yeah. traffic if it happens. I think, it's, I think that's right. But um, at the moment, it's tough to pick a winner in that little private battle. Likewise, Laurence Hur condensing things nicely uh, for fifth position and her is through isn't he yes he is there he is in the 30 car trying to slot up the inside now the gt3 leader not to affect um, giacomo piccini's race but the 30 car is now ahead of the 44 and who's that in between 79 not on the same lap it's the 17 i think isn't it that's oh is the it lgp car okay i think it is rather than colin noble I don't think that's colin okay yep. right it is the 17 Graham's been here all week, in fairness, to, like, to be able to pick these <laughs> it cars It does look you like a courier across his colours. I will certainly give you that. I'll learn them by the end of the year. <laughs> RGP Motorsports, and we haven't mentioned a great deal about that crew. From Italy, and Marco Cencetti now doing the driving. He's a silver. 15th position for that crew at the moment. Another one of the newcomers this season, and they are very welcome. Here's the race leader, though, and behind him... He's got the two battling Brits, and he's not been close on this. Matt Bell is locking up the inside this time, takes the opportunity, and I think he's going to make it. This is going to be... Oh, he doesn't. Matt, Matt Bell couldn't quite make it. Looks to the outside this time. Oh. Trying it, but he could have been Andy Merrick. Off he goes. Oh, Merrick's off the track. Now he's not fully on, and he no. caught lots of kerb, and this has carried momentum, actually. That would have caught his attention. Dear, dear me. Well, I didn't think Merrick uh, gave him an awful lot of racing room down the main straight. I'm, I don't I'm think not, he changed line. I'm not quite sure he kept that car. You know, no. on the straight and narrow. That no. thing was certainly airborne for a moment or two. Well, yeah, out of turn two, certainly, but Matt Bell had tried down the left, realised Mandy Merrick wasn't playing games here, wasn't going to allow him through, so then tried down the right-hand side and nearly pulled off the move around the outside of turn one. That led to Andy Merrick running out wide of two in the end, and this is... Van Etert. Jop Van Etert. Has he gone ahead? Of he hasn't. Into scene corner. I'm not sure whether that was a move for position. Let's enjoy this again, though, because Matt Bell trying around the outside at Turn 1. That meant that Andy Merrick was offline into two and ran out so wide on the run down to three and, uh, well, was almost tearing bits from the, the underneath of the car there. So much kerb did he catch. I don't think that's going to be handling quite as well no. as before. No, I think if you'd have had the in-car radio feed there, you'd have learned some choice words in Welsh. Uh, and I think actually Matt Bell possibly just looked at that either because it was going to be quite entertaining or because he didn't want to be caught up in what, what it looked like at several points might be one of the biggest accidents of the world. Somehow Andy Berry came out the other side. Through 12, through 13, we might be treated to very similar shenanigans this time around. They're caught up behind the race leader again. Uh, what we've missed, by the way, while watching all that is that uh, Jens Wolf has had a moment somewhere because yes. he's lost second place. Uh, he's lost second place to Colin Noble. 
Matt Bell and uh, Andy Merrick are side by side this time, leaving nothing on the table. And Merrick's going to be, is he too hot into one? No, no, he's managed to get it stopped and turned. And this is all happening in the rearview mirror of Jens Pettersson. He's saying, come oh. on, leave me alone, guys. Just uh, overtake and I'll continue in the race lead. That's the four coming to a halt. Nicola Ronde at the wheel of the Brookspeed International Ligier. And sadly, grinding to a halt is this car. Fire extinguisher at the ready from the marshal as well. Concerned maybe about a lick of flame from the rear of that car, which is quickly extinguished. So Jens Pettersson leads the race by 35.2 seconds from Colin Noble, but he's about to be uh, unlapped again, or rather the two cars behind him will unlap themselves on the three car. It was a spin in turn five for Jens Wolf. That's okay. now left him at the mercy of James Littlejohn, who could now find himself on the podium. Uh, we heard from Tony Wells a little earlier. He didn't think they'd make it. Well, he's now 7.9 seconds back. And let's see what, uh, what Jens Wolf has got left in the tank here with a charging James Littlejohn. 13 minutes left. So, Jens Pettersson, very wide indeed, heading through turn eight. Meanwhile, um, Andy Merrick and Matt Bell trying to find an opportunity to get by. Uh, yellow flags are out. Now, are they into That's that yellow flag one. zone now? No, it's at turn one, OK. As the GT3 leader, car number eight, driven by Giacomo Piccini, leads the way. This is Jens, uh, this is Jovan uh, Utet. He's now with the uh, second of the Graf cars. In fact, he's passed Delafosse. He's now with the, the first of them, it's Danielu here. This was the spin for the 21 car. Did he jump or was he pushed? Or was that, well, that's Noble getting through, wasn't it? Or was that the 17 uh, That's him again? recovering from the spin. That's what okay. it was. OK, by which point Colin Noble had already got by and into second place. And now 34.4 seconds to try and find. I think that's unlikely in the remaining 12 minutes. A good run out of turn two, this time for Andy Merrick, trying to slot up the inside of Jens Peterson. So. And Matt Bell's going to try oh. and do the same thing. He doesn't want to lose touch with Andy Merrick. Forced the issue somewhat into turns three and four. And Jens Peterson had little choice but to make some room for the North Easterner from the UK. And, well, they got through, but that's driven a little bit of a wedge now between Merrick and Matt Bell. I'm sure he'll be able to make that time up again. We mean in, ter in terms of time, and of course, not the, the close personal friendship, that wedge. But uh, the, the, the lead gap, by the way, now down to just 34 seconds. It's not going to be done on pace. But uh, Colin Noble's pressure is beginning to make an impact on that lead. It's going to run out of time. Uh, Jens Wolf is a further five seconds back. Littlejohn is closing and has just put in the fastest lap time of the race for the number two at Courier Cost Nielsen car. 5.4 seconds the gap. Took 2.6 seconds out last time around. Out of turn 14 goes the number 30 car. Lawrence Hur, Hur has uh, driven a good race to this point for CD Sport. That was a car, remember, that started on the front row with Anthony Pons great qualifying performance from him at lunchtime today the car slipped down the order but is slowly being hustled back to the top of the times and to fifth place and there is Jot van Utert in hot pursuit then of the second graph car that he's going to encounter but actually the best place of the French machines yes with Marc Antoine Danilou at the wheel it's for seventh position now Johnny and just looking to see what uh, the next well, it's another seven and a half seconds to, to get onto terms with Ricardo Sanchez. I think that's beyond Jupp at this uh, stage of the race. 
just 10 minutes remain. We can see the gap there as the Mexican driver just disappears out of our shot to the right. Here comes the battle behind him. Brief glimpse of Andrea Pacini as well on course for a podium finish in the GT3 category. 10 minutes to go then. And the run down towards the right-hander at the end of the Mistral with the 40 of Danilu being caught here by Jok van Utert. And then behind that car is, uh, well, Delafoss has him. dropped He's a few times. Van Utert up the inside That's a and great move. gets it for RLRM Sport. That will have pleased him particularly because that was where track limits probably cost him the opportunity to be on the potentially from the front row of the grid for the LMS race in LMP3. Nailed it that time, though, the young Dutchman. Yeah. As Pettersen on lap 57 leads by half a minute now over Colin Noble. Still in the 153, so eating away at that lead margin. Nine minutes to go. Jens Pettersen, Colin Noble, Jacques Wolf. And then James Littlejohn. So both of the Acuria Cost Nielsen cars looking like they'll finish in the top four. Lawrence Hur just a bit too far back for CD Sport. SPV Racing and Ricardo Sanchez in sixth place in the number 44 car. Then Van Utert ahead of Marc Antoine Danilou, Damien Delafosse, and Christian England in the number 10. In the number 65, uh, number 23, rather, 10th place. Eight minutes and 40 seconds to go. There's the GT3 leader, Giacomo Piccini for Kessel Racing. And the bulk of the GT3 entry this weekend, Ferrari 488. There's the Ferrari 458 from Steeler F Squadra Corsa, sadly no longer running. The other car is a Porsche from EV Motors, but it's looking like Ferrari's first, second, third and fourth at the moment. Just watching Andy Merrick's pace, he's just been in the fastest lap of his car's race, the Motorsport 98 car. Just tense in it still between the lap times and the gap between Motorsport 98 and the number 22 United Sports car of Matt Bell. But they're both catching Christian England for the 10th position. Uh, that gap is five seconds now. And they are going around two seconds a lap quicker. Let's wait and see what emerges in the next couple of minutes to see whether or not that's a trend or just a blip. But, uh, the next significant placement that looks to be under pressure is indeed that third position. James Littlejohn continuing to just nibble away at the advantage of Jens Wolf. The gap is now 2.3 seconds. Seven and a half minutes remain. It's a two-hour race that's been, well, pretty engaging stuff. And I do wonder, Johnny, whether or not one or two of the teams might look at the tactics that have been played here by DB Autosports and DKR Engineering, put out their more experienced drivers on an attack mission. It really has worked, certainly for DKR Engineering... Entirely so, and uh, yeah, it's almost better to be out of trouble in the early stages, isn't it? Don't get tagged back. I mean, Tony Wells has already made the comment to Charlie George quite what happens when you get caught in the traffic. You know, he was in clear air, kicking himself now for making that mistake at scene corner, and the problem is not only have a moment, you lose eight seconds, but then you're embroiled in so much slower traffic, and the difficulty is getting past it all. Now, this is the battle for third position. Vanita, by the way, has not given up another position. He's just put an, another fastest first sector in for the number 14 car. He has 5.7 seconds to make up to catch Ricardo Sanchez in the SPV car for sixth. Six and a half minutes to go 
I'll uh, turn your attention back again to something I mentioned with about an hour gone and the Spirit of the Race Award. This is an award not necessarily for the top three finishers and your obvious choice, but for someone who, or a team, a driver that perhaps have made uh, a real impact on the race and for entertainment value as well. I think I might have a suggestion, but we'll uh, leave that for a moment or two. Yeah, I'm thinking it might come from that area of the field, certainly. Uh, Jens Pedersen leads the way, but Graham drawing my attention to the 11th and 12th place battle that we have concentrated on quite a bit. And for that matter, I have to tell you, that fantastic battle we had for lap after lap after lap right at the bottom of the field in the EP Motors and Kessel Racing guys. Um, we've got trouble, though. Trouble and big trouble for the 17 car. That is the RGP Motorsport car pulling off, smoking from the right rear. That happened on the Mistral and towards the end of the Mistral by the look of things. Yeah, so uh, a moment for car 17 um, with RGP Motorsport struggling a little bit at times. So that car, I think, will rejoin without too much of a problem. But obviously race cars, having been thrashed for the best part of an hour and 55 minutes, are wearing uh, somewhat thin now and, um, you know, to the very end of their design capability, shall we say, particularly tyres that have been... Uh, pushed incredibly hard over the last stint and a bit so down towards the right hander at scene corner goes the number two car and that's part of being uh, a canny race driver is making sure you look after the car as along with you know pushing hard from the off and it was a mild concern of mine as far as leonard hugenboom's drive was concerned yes it was fast but how considerate was he being as far as the car was concerned? But it's lasted the distance so far. They build these Normas and Ligiers very strongly indeed. It's only when you start, sort of give it the Eric Truier treatment <laughs> when things start to fall off it. You've got to know where to hit things, haven't you, really? That's true. Yeah. Yes. The Ferrari ahead is backing up this pair again. 98 and 22. Is this the moment that Matt Bell gets that position? He's looking around the inside. He's had a look around the outside. Sure, not over the top, but uh, Andy Merrick, has he got this covered? Can't really tell from this angle. It looks to me like Matt Bell is ahead here. But he's, not, but he's balked by the Ferrari in front. Can he take that line? I'm not sure he can. Is that, uh, is that Ollie Hancock in the 50 Ferrari? That is <laughs> Andy Merrick again. Through. Tremendous stuff. Uh, I hope Eric Dodonka and Jim Maguire are enjoying this, by the way. Meanwhile... While we're watching that, third place has gone the way of James Littlejohn. Another... So it's two Ikuri Akos Nielsen cars at the moment on the podium. Three and a half minutes remain. Great result for them at this stage of the race. Andy Merrick and Matt Bell. Uh, they will come out of this with massive grins on their face, no doubt whatsoever. Still yellow flags, by the way, turn eight and uh, turn nine for the RGP car. Off and out of the race by the look of things. And this time, Matt Bell absolutely wedged under the rear wing of Andy Merrick. Where's he going to go this time? Goes for the outside. Merrick covers that off. Goes to take the... This time they touch twice, coming into the turn. Ooh, and oh, and has something gone on Merrick's car? No, there's I think it was just a bit of a lock-up from Andy, okay. but he's held it again. 
Two and a half minutes to go. Incredible stuff. Great fun, this. And, um, well, the spirit of the race award becomes more obvious to me with every second we watch this. <laughs> because you think back to the opening stint, and the 22 car also had a tremendous what dice with its teammate. But let's have a look. The 22 then to your left. One tiny touch, then a bigger touch. Yeah, 98 to the right. So Merrick on the inside there. And, yeah, you're right, that was just a lock-up, wasn't it? Probably from a front tyre smoke channeling underneath the car due to the ground effect and out via the rear diffuser. Two minutes left. Van Utep, by the way, has halved that five-second gap in a couple of laps. It's just a couple of seconds now. Uh, two and a half seconds, in fact, to Ricardo Sanchez for sixth position overall. Great stuff. Tremendous. And, uh, as I say, remember back to the 22 car when it was being driven by Jim Maguire, and uh, he was side-by-side side with Richard Mines throughout the opening stint as well. So, as long as you're happy with this, Graham, I think the spirit of the race goes to the 22 team and the drivers, Jim and Jim Maguire and uh, Matt Bell, because this has been enthralling stuff. And bear in mind, these cars aren't even in the top ten. But uh, still, indeed. Yeah. Still tremendous uh, watch for all of us. Laurence Kerr for CD Sport has just put in the best middle sector of anybody so as the cars get lighter and lighter during this second stint there's still pace to be found out there This is going to be the penultimate lap I think for the race leader, just a minute left on the clock and let's look for where those gaps might come. Van Uta is going to get that sixth position, he's caught he now needs to pass Ricardo Sanchez That's been a storming run from him it Certainly has very That's impressive what, four indeed. Four cars passed in this stint. So many different stories from this opening race of the 2018 Michelin Le Mans Cup. DKR Engineering, to those checking the paperwork at the end of the race and having not watched any of this, they might be. Oh, oh no! It's a leader! Massive it's a drama! Leader. Huge drama as the number three car is off the road. On the final lap! No way! Into the t first corner, and what happened here? Something's gone oh, on that car. Broke on the car. Oh. Something is broken on the. And what did I tell you about Hugenboom charging hard during oh. that first stint? It's the. F f he's got it moving. He's got it moving. 30 seconds is the leading margin into this final lap. Surely Where? Noble's got ahead. Where is Noble? No, Noble's coming behind now there is noble there is noble in the yeah. background two corners back but that, that doesn't look to me like jens Pedersen is up to full speed this may change on the very final lap that is a 79 car colin noble with a 30 second deficit he's surely got the message now that he has to push and has something significant broken on the car or was it just uh, yes well, it's rear body work well, going on the car it banked into the barrier what will he know about that because that's going to affect the aerodynamics of this car if he tries too hard into seam this could get very messy and he's also is that one of the legality panels that needs to be part of the car at the end of the race well, it's still hanging on by a was thread was that something breaking or did he just I think he just made a wobble. mistake. Actually. This is inside the garage. Oh no, look at that. I think that was just a mistake similar to Has he got enough? a lockup that Andy Merrick did into the first corner. He held it. Jens Pettersson not necessarily with the same experience to be able to deal with that. The pace of the number three car looks okay now, but it's going to be so much closer for Ikuria Kost Nielsen. There was the reaction from DKR Engineering. I wonder what Ikuria Kost and the Nielsen carriage it's did. It's so close here, Johnny. No, not up the inside there. That's the 99 car. End race, looking Where's to get Noble? by. There he is. He's too far back, surely. 
Two corners left. Two corners. Jens Pettersson, are the team communicating to him where Colin Noble is, or is he better off not knowing? Into the final sequence of corners. The 99 (laughs) might yet have an influence on this as well. Dramatic finish to the Michelin Le Mans Cup for the opening race. And it is going to be DKR Engineering who win the first race of the year. You could almost say that... uh, Normality is resumed from last year, but the gap at the line from 30 seconds at the start of the final lap is 2.1 at the end of it. Good grief. And the Curie Cost Nielsen bag second and third. Colin Noble, I'm not sure whether he knew what was going on on that final lap either. Well, it was a good enough race before that final lap drama, and Jens Pettersen gets it across the line. How long is it going to take him to get the heart rate back to normality? And by the way, two other passes, three other passes made on that final lap because Jörg van Uten did pass Ricardo Sanchez on the last lap to grab sixth. But Andy Merrick and Matt Bell both got ahead of Christian England. Merrick into the top ten. Wow, OK, so Merrick uh, leaping ahead of, yes, you say, two other cars. United Order Sports finishing 11th, 12th and 13th. And car 21 and 2 now under investigation for a possible overtake on the yellow. So that concerns the DB Autosport machine that finished 4th and the two car yes. that finished 3rd. Well. So that is uh, yet to be decided and might affect... The cars that finish on the podium. Now that will have been the recovery of the 21. There's the irony. The recovery of the 21 car would have brought out the yellows. Yes. And did the number two car go by him before the green flag had been shown? Right. We didn't really get a chance to see that. Well, uh, GT, by the way, Kessel Racing come home uh, with the win. Giacomo Pacini bringing home the, the inner break on 15th place overall, ahead of Maurizio Mediani who brings home the 51, 17th position overall, and it's the second Puccini brother, the older of the two, that comes home in third uh, with the 77 Ferrari. Ollie Hancock comes home fourth. And there is Maurizio Mediani. Final car across the line, in fact. Confirmed second position in GT3 for the Spirit of Race crew of Switzerland. But Kessel Racing, also a Swiss team, first, third, and fourth for Kessel Racing and sadly there were five retirements for RGP Motorsport the Brookspeed International car Nicolo Ronde coming to a halt um, just after turn one Michael Benham's Lannan Racing car too badly damaged Martin Grab in the Steeler F Squadra Corsa Ferrari 458 and Alexandre Quani we lost very early on after just a handful of laps four laps completed well, if you like your drama Oof. and you like it late on in the day, then follow the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Yet again in the last, well, the last gasp of an endurance race, it just continues to do this. And Boys, think... don't you realise? <laughs> yeah. We're getting older and there's older. So, there's only so much more heart will take. I know. Um, but I think you're right about uh, the DKR engineering, Norma, not actually breaking. It was just, it was I a, think he got a wobble on. It was a bit of a brain fade, perhaps, from Jens Pettersson as... Uh, he was getting towards the end of the stint, thinking, OK, final lap, just keep it neat and tidy. Oh, I'm off. Oh, I'm off. And I'm in the wall. And I've damaged the rear right corner. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that uh, legality panel, or at least the bullet, as I think they're known uh, in amongst the spares department, had uh, dropped off the car. But it was still attached by a thread. And although the car looks pristine from the front, is slightly damaged on the rear after being reversed into the tyre barrier but the marshals were quickly on scene and actually Jens did a great job of starting that car up again and getting it turned around back in the race and all of a sudden 28 seconds lost but when you've got a 30 second lead it didn't actually matter 
Colin Noble and James Littlejohn wondering what might have been there to snatch a victory. Ikuria Koss and Nielsen for Sven's team, who we briefly saw on the walk across from the media centre at the start of this race. You can see the uh, legality panel hanging off the back of the car there. Yeah. And I kind of tend to hope that doesn't affect the result. Well, yeah. I mean, they've been through the mill and uh, not to detract at all from Leonard and Jens' drive because they look like a duo to be reckoned with in totally 2018. Jens yeah. Petson has been around endurance racing for a long time, but that's as good a drive, with the possible exception of Turn 1 on his final lap, as I've seen him actually deliver. But, uh, well, lots of storylines, not just for the way in which that race was won, a fantastic attack from the front from the DKR engineering guys, but then, well, having to defend at the very end, DB Autosports failing to do that from the two charging Ikuria Cost Nielsen cars. So another win for DKR. Another win for the Norma M30. And a very happy Giacomo Piccini clambering out of the number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari as well. Backing up a really good drive from uh, co driver Sergio Pianazzola, the Italian rally driver in only his third GT race of his career, having done a little bit of Ferrari Challenge racing, but really not that experienced at all, and finds good speed in qualifying earlier today and then the race. Although uh, the dicing in GT3 during the opening stint was thoroughly entertaining. 62 laps completed then for the DKR Engineering Norma M30 of Jens Pettersson and Leonard Hugenboom win it by 2.1 seconds. It could have been an awful lot more. The two Ikuria Cost Nielsen cars complete the podium, and then it was the DB Autosport car of Jacques Wolf who finished that stint alongside his teammate Nicolas Schatz. Fifth position, CD Sport. Sixth place for RLR M Sport and a charging Jat van Utert at the end of the race. Ricardo Sanchez, the Mexican for SPV Racing, gets the 44 seventh. Then the two Graf cars of Mark Antoine Danilou and Damien Foster complete the stints. And 10th position for Motorsport 98 after a tremendous display from driver, the, the second drivers in those squads. Andy Merrick and Matt Bell. GT3 honours going the way then of Kessel Racing. As mentioned already, Spirit of Race uh, finished second and it's another Kessel car third. Let's look back at the highlights then, and there are many of them from the last two hours. Cars getting underway. They were just about five abreast across the line, and Tony Wells making a run for the lead. Didn't quite make it stick into the first bend and had another go at it into turn three here. Unfortunately, there was contact. Eric Truier spinning, and Tony Wells taking the lead as a result. The number three car slotting into second position early doors. Then Leonard Hugenboom eventually would get by Tony Wells. And there was a big spin for the man from the northeast of England as well at scene corner. Here it is. Tony Wells almost entering shot backwards. But he did really good to flick the car in the right direction. Flat spotting all four Michelins, I'm sure. And had to nurse those tyres towards the end. There was more contact for Eric Truier into the side of Michael Benham. And that incident had to be looked into by the race direction team. And again, Eric Truier stabbing up the inside there into turn four. And this eventually did significant damage to the Norma M30. 
that light pod on the front left corner of the car stripping from the nose and it needed to pit immediately. Uh, Hugenboom, and not, not necessarily a neat and tidy stop. He ran a bit too far into the pit lane and needed to be pushed into the bay by the team. Meanwhile, then we had second drivers obviously on board. So Jens Pettersen under some stern pressure here from Nicolas Schatz out of turn 14. And the two graph cars of Delafosse and Danny Lou were together for much of the second half of the race in the background. Jot van Utert started his run up the order, which would eventually take him to sixth position. The 21 car of Jacques Wolf had a moment, and this was where Colin Noble was able to get by, together with James Littlejohn's car. And that incident is still, by the way, under investigation about overtaking under yellow flags for both the two and the 21. And this was a sting in the tail we were not expecting. A spin for the race leader into turn one, heads in, hands down at DKR Engineering. Quite how Jens Pettersen managed to select first gear and the right direction so quickly will remain a mystery to me. But fortunately for those guys, a 30-second lead became just 2.1 at the end, but they still bagged victory, possibly against all odds, with the car in the wall for a fair while time. So let's catch up with some of the stories down in pit lane. Charlie George just trying to mop up some of those right now. Well, guys, first of all, congratulations. But Jens, what a moment. We all have had our hearts in our mouths. How was it for you? It was quite a difficult race. Uh, we had no radio communication at all. And uh, I had a badge in the car at my knees. We mounted that before the race. And that was a big mistake because I had problems with steering. I could not steer at all. So I didn't know where I was. I was even fighting against guys I didn't have to fight against. And I also didn't know that I was yeah, in the last lap. And then I, I, said, I thought I had to speed up. And uh, back went out in turn one. And I tried to correct. But I couldn't because I had the batch at my knees. Uh, but I was lucky enough to, to finish the race. yeah, And we won. But today... I think 85 of the credit goes to two guys, Team Dikar and this young man, Leonard Hogenbaum, who did an excellent job. A name to remember, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Well done, Leonard. A fantastic result for your first race in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, the moment we were first was OK. And then the last moment at the last lap was a little bit scary, but we were at it and we, we won. It's good. Thank you. Well done, guys. Uh, something lost in translation there. Jens Pettersen labelling it as a batch around his knees. I think it's basically something to do with the seating position or way, the way the steering wheel is mounted, which clearly compromised the way that he could control the car, and he's nursed that all the way through uh, that second stint. So that should be, you know, should, should bear that in mind as well to actually get the thing to the finish. Well, what it certainly uh, shows, though, is that there would look to be one sim a reasonably simple fix for them, so that's not good news for the rest. Well, true, yes. So anything that has uh, hindered them in this race will be a quick fix. To the podium then, our first of the year in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, and to the third step at the podium, James Littlejohn and Tony Wells. Colin Noble, after a cracking drive, joined by a uh, teammate in the 79 car, Alistair McCaig. And handshakes from all four teammates at a courier cost, Nielsen. But here is Leonard Hugenbaum and Jens Pettersen. And Jens bring a brave face on what was a very, very difficult race by the sounds of things. 
also on the top step of the podium in a moment or two will be one of the team members from DKR Engineering. Might be that the said member has been on the top step a few times last season as well. Another chance to hear the Luxembourgish national anthem for the winners. National Anthem of Luxembourg for DKR Engineering and there is the flag above the top step as well two union flags for the Ikuria Kos Nielsen Brigade as well and third place trophies going the way of Tony Wells on the left of shot and James Littlejohn on the right over to the other side of the podium these uh, trophies being presented by one of the staff members from Michelin tyre suppliers of this championship once more and it is Colin Noble and teammate Alistair McKay who finish in second position. But the biggest trophies go the way of Jens Pettersson and Leonard Hugenboom. Our spirit of the race go to car 22, United Autosports, Jim Maguire and Matt Bell after great racing for both drivers in each of their, their respective stints particularly the Matt Bell and uh, Andy Merrick scrap. It's a tough choice for me between Merrick and Bell, but I think uh, Jim McGuire's uh, performance in the opening stint just about swung it. More drone camera action of the podium this time. Well, that was a thoroughly entertaining two hours, I thought, Graham. It certainly was. That was a cracker of a race, wasn't it? And uh, as I say, there might be some, uh, some tactical things that the other teams are wanting to think about from DKR there. Giacomo Piccini, by the way, tops the GT3 Drivers' Championship with Sergio Pianziola. Uh, we will be doing the podium for the GT3s in a moment or two, but uh, stories to catch up on as far as the GT3 classification is concerned. Let's hear from our winners with Charlie George. Well, Giacomo, and to both of you, congratulations. A convincing win there for GT3. Not bad for his third race. Yeah, he did basically everything. I didn't do nothing. I just cruised for my stint. And uh, now, really, the car was amazing. The team did a great job. Sergio was unbelievable because the start was not easy. He has been pushed out. Perazzini passed him from the outside. And then it was, it was enough smart to, to keep calm and recover, overtake him, and then keep his pace. And he did an amazing stint. Then at the end, I did just, uh, you know, what I, what I could. But the car was amazing. We had a lot of advantage. So it was quite easy, I would say. Was great. Congratulations to, to us and to the team, of course, and to Sergio that did it something amazing. Well done, guys. Congratulations. Pianatola and Piccini make it a winning combination in the first GT3 race of the year for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. LMP3 going the way of DKR Engineering, but it's set to be a much closer year, I would wager, than 2017. Clearly the Norma M30 very strong here down the long straights at Ricard. There are long straights at Monza as well for next month's two-hour race. And then we head to Le Mans. 
Weather's quite a long straight too <laughs> for two races, two 55-minute affairs through Le Mans race week. But as we gather our breath and think about the many, many highlights, there are ups and downs for various teams. AF Corsa had a nightmare with their 71 car chasing that, uh, well, steering-related issue, quite possibly. That will get sorted in time for race number two in Italy as the GT3 podium takes shape. So finishing in third for Kessel Racing, the number 77 crew. That's uh, Claudia Schiavoni and Andrea Piccini. On the second step of the podium from the 51 car, Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani. Here's the national anthem of the winning team, though, Kessel Racing. Very Swiss podium indeed. It is. Uh, it's a bit of race, of course. Our race is a Swiss team. Uh, so an all-Swiss podium. And that's a pretty unusual thing in international motorsports. certainly is. Although uh, motor racing um, reappearing in Switzerland, I think, last year or the start of this year with the Formula E event in Zurich. Check the calendar whether that's happened yet or not. It might be the season finale, actually, Ooh. for Formula E. But certainly returning to that country since 1955. Yeah, but this is better, though, isn't it? Come on. What a trick. That's right. And um, as you say, Spirit of Race are effectively AF Corsa, but there's, interestingly, a car entered from each of those teams. So had we yes. had an AF Corsa winner, that would have been the Italian, Italian national anthem and the Italian tricolour. So, champagne about to be sprayed. Congratulations to Sergio Pianazzola. Early on in his... Uh, car racing career, done a lot of rallying in the past, Giacomo Puccini vastly experienced and this still relatively new Ferrari 488 looks to be the car to beat mainly because most people have decided to go with one for this year, Spirit of Race get a clink of champagne bottles for their second place and it's Maurizio Mediani as I mentioned with Christoph Ulrich and there is how the points stand after one race in the GT3 class of the Michelin Le Mans Cup Kessel Racing lead it then 26 points because by virtue of the fact of the 25 for a win and the pole position from earlier on today and the drivers championship in LMP3 headed by Jens Pettersson and Leonard Hugenboom they didn't get pole position remember but it's 25 for a win they lead by seven over Alistair McCaig and Colin Noble and Tony Wells just tucked in there with James Littlejohn in effectively third position in the championship Jot van Unterd scoring well with John Ferrano in the opening race of the year sixth place for those two, DKR Engineering lead the, champ the team's championship as well by seven from the two Ikuriakos Nielsen cars, DB Autosport fourth and CD Sport in fifth position. My thanks to Graham Goodwin of dailysportscar.com. That's our Michelin Le Mans Cup race done. But join us again in about a month's time for our visit to Monza in Italy. Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.